Chapter 41 Joe slammed the car door shut once she'd climbed angrily into the passenger seat. That stupid Jason guy had turned her already not great mood worse, and then her mom, pfft, she didn't care that she was having a hard time, or maybe she did, but Joe could tell she didn't respect her reasoning. Pam with her stupid eye rolls and her, and her stupid face. Her stupid perfect for eternity face. Of course she didn't care, of course she didn't understand, why would she? She'd have three billion do-overs while Joe only had the one, and she'd wasted like ten years of it going nowhere fast. Harley got in too, turning the car on and pulling quickly out of the driveway. Where are we going? Joe murmured. You gotta quit being a bitch to your mom, Harley said, either not having heard the question or not caring. It's alright to be pissed or not want to talk to her, that's understandable, but don't drag that shit into it, please. It's a privilege you even get to know. Why? Joe asked, distracting herself by looking out the window. It's not exactly a secret after your book, can't turn on the TV without seeing one of her no-means-no PSAs. Joe, I can't get into this with you right now. If you had any idea how much work went into getting her to talk about that experience, Jesus, years, Jolene, years. Harley shook her head. Look, I get it. It makes you feel powerful, being able to cut her down to size with just a word or a phrase. I've fallen into the same trap, more than once, actually, but we're supposed to improve in the next generation, so, do better than me, please, God, do better than me. Joe didn't respond, just crossed her arms over her chest and mulled that over. Maybe you should be a psychiatrist, Jolene, Pam had said. You must be so proud, Harleen. Joe narrowed her eyes at the passing houses. She couldn't remember ever seeing her parents fight, not really anyway. They sniped at each other sometimes, sure, but Joe had never even considered that they might have actual problems, aside from the fact that one of them was aging while the other one was staying put. You want to know why I wasn't an Olympic gymnast? Harleen asked, interrupting the silence as Joe had yet to speak on her last point. It's because I fucked my coach and got booted by the ethics committee, she turned up a familiar road. So, at the very least, you get to live the rest of your life knowing that while it was unfair, there's nothing you could have done differently. There's nothing for you to lament or kick yourself over. You have been given the golden opportunity to blame mom for the rest of your life, if you want, or me too, I guess, for not telling you there was a problem. But, lucky you, you don't have to hate yourself. Joe was confused, both by what Harley was saying and the fact that they were about to pull up to the gate at Wayne Manor. She decided to prioritize the former. What do you mean you, wait, your coach? How old was he? Twice my age and married, was Harley's curt response. He was a piece of shit and a total pig, and I blamed only myself for a long time until I met your mom and she reminded me the importance of the power dynamics in a statutory rape case even if the minor considers themselves a willing participant, they are not and I was not. But anyway. She sighed. Years later, back when I was still your mom's doctor, I tracked him down and bashed his head in with a hammer. So, all's well that ends well, she shrugged, rolling down her window. W-H, ah, uh, s-h, huh? Hey, what's good, Dr. Q? Joe heard Carrie Kelly's voice blast out of the intercom. Is Selena upstairs? Harley asked. Yeah. And Bruce, was Harley's next question. 
He's at that ribbon-cutting ceremony downtown, Carrie reminded her. Should be back around five. Harley sighed, a bit put out, evidently. All right, that's fine. Can you buzz us in and page Selena? We're going downstairs. Who's we? Carrie questioned. Bring your daughter to work. Wait, does that mean what I think it means? Wait, Mom murdered someone too. There was a lot to process as the gate opened and Harley pulled through, turning a quick left rather than continuing up to the manor as usual. So after the hearing, I was banned from Olympic competition in the future, while my coach was promoted, but that's another story for another time, Harley continued on like she'd never been interrupted. Of course, I went on to compete at the collegiate level, which really isn't an option for you, unfortunately, but even then I just felt really lost. Like you, I'd spent a lot of my life hyper-focused on a certain goal only to have it taken away from just as I was about to cross the finish line, and I was so frickin' pissed and rudderless that I started sleeping around a lot, not that there's anything wrong with that, you do you, I sure as shit did me, but I obviously wasn't in a great place. They came around the bend to a pond, and instead of rerouting, Harley sped straight ahead, aiming straight for the water. Joe covered her eyes and braced for impact, pretty sure Harley was in the middle of a mental breakdown at this point. But there was no impact, just a slight change in terrain, and when Joe opened her eyes once more she found they were descending into darkness, lights flickering on up ahead, illuminating the tunnel. So I went to med school, and that kept me pretty preoccupied. Graduated near the top of my class. Harley picked up where she'd left off. It's stupid to talk about it in comparison to your mom, but just for the record, I've got a genius IQ too. I just apply it differently or don't apply it at all sometimes because, you know what? Sometimes it's a lot easier to be stupid. There's a lesson you can take to the bank. Your mom never figured out how to do that, and so she's turned on all the time, and when you're always awake and demand to see everything, you're bound to be unhappy because this world can really fucking suck sometimes. Ignorance truly is bliss. The hallway opened up into a, well, a cave would be the only way to describe it. It was cavernous, the walls made of stone but the furnishings metal. Holy shit, Joe breathed. Ma, this is the, this is the. After medical school I started to feel lost again, Harley screeched to a halt on a platform lit with a spotlight right next to the Batmobile. And that's when I found your mom, and that's when I found Bruce, and thank God I did, she shut the car off. Because there are other versions of me out there who evidently didn't fare quite as well. Other, wait, other versions? Joe was long past perplexed at this point. Sure, Harleen smiled. Harley Quinn, please tell me cha. She used a Gotham accent and stuck out her hand in an exaggerated, almost childish movement. H, why, you mean like from that cartoon I used to watch? Joe questioned, ignoring her outstretched hand. You're Harley Quinn. No, Harley laughed. I'm thankful every day for that. Met one once, thinks she may have been a shittier girlfriend than I am a wife, which, you know, props. She got out of the car, implying Joe should do the same, so the girl scurried out after her. See, round these parts, Harleen started at a brisk pace down the stairs off the platform to where Selena was standing, waiting expectantly. I'm Batwoman. Well, the retired Batwoman. W, wait, 
what do you mean? Joe descended the steps after her, jumping the last three to speed the process. I mean I know you're like the team psychiatrist, but… She's also the matriarch, Selena informed, her arms crossed, her gaze cold. What's up, Joe? Heard you were a bit of a bitch to your mom. Ma, you told her? Joe had no idea why she felt so violated, maybe it had something to do with the fact that Selena's eyes were so intense she was expecting lasers to shoot out of them or something. She sure did, Selena's smirk was a bit cruel. And see, in my book, I'm the only one that gets to be a bitch to Pam, so, do you see where we're at odds here? I, um, I do, yes, Joe stared down at her feet. This family gave me a purpose when I had none, Harley told her. And right now you're flailing, I can see that. You need an outlet. So here it is, she spread her arms wide. Welcome to the team, Batgirl. I'm going to get you some training clothes, Selena piggybacked, and then Carrie's going to punch you in the face until Pam's the mommy you want to run to. How she could be 65 years old and still intimidating, Joe had no idea. Sounds good. Uh, I don't know about this, Dr. Q, Carrie said, looking Joe over uneasily. Usually Mr. Wayne puts us on the bags for a couple of sessions before we actually spar. Mr. Wayne isn't here right now, Harley reminded her. And Joe knows what she's doing. No need to take it easy on her. Well, all right, I guess. Carrie still sounded rather unsure as she stripped off her sweatshirt, leaving her in a pair of athletic shorts and a tank top. You ready to go, Joe? Joe maintained her giddy smile as she nodded. Definitely. Carrie moved quickly after that, sprinting towards her and then dropping to the ground at the last moment to slide through her legs, popping up at Joe's back and grabbing her around the back of the neck, using momentum to twist her down to the ground. Carrie may have been the weakest Robin, but what she lacked in size and strength she made up for in intelligence and energy. Girl had a motor that just wouldn't quit. Joe lay face down on the mat for a moment, clearly trying to figure out where to go from there when Carrie had her arms pinned behind her back. She bent her leg at the knee, kicking Carrie just below the shoulder blade with her heel. The redhead winced and Joe was able to use that moment's weakness to wrench her hands free and roll over so Carrie was straddling her waist rather than the small of her back. But that exposed her, and just like Selena promised, Carrie punched her in the face. Ow, fuck. Joe groaned, holding her nose. Harley's heart began to beat faster. Is she okay? Is this too much? Is she too young? Do you need a break, Joe? she asked, hoping she didn't sound as worried as she felt. No, uh, Joe flexed at her hips, lifting her legs and clamping them in a vice grip around Carrie's neck before thrusting them back down, bringing Carrie with them. Hey, that's one of my moves. Selena clapped happily. But as Joe smiled proudly, Carrie kicked with both of her legs, landing them squarely in the center of Joe's chest and shoving her a good two feet backwards. Joe wheezed, fighting for the wind that had been knocked out of her, and Harley sighed. This is going to be a long day. Pamela had been sitting in the driveway for a while at this point, staring at the dark house. Harley was likely still at the Batcave, or maybe she went to pick up dinner, either way, Joe's light was off too meaning she was probably out as well. 
Pam had spent a lot of time in her life coming home to empty houses, and she'd preferred it that way. Enjoyed her solidarity. All she required was her plants, and they'd always been there for her, waiting to be watered or repotted. But now seeing those darkened windows made her feel empty, lonely, she knew they'd be back, but maybe Harley was right, maybe she was feeling a bit abandoned lately. She was familiar with empty nest syndrome, she'd read up on it before Anthony left for Stanford, but although she missed him terribly and got nervous when he didn't give them an update on his well-being, she'd still had Joe and Harley. And she still had them now. She hadn't lost them, Joe was just, she was just being a teenager. Acting like a typical, expressive adolescent. The fact that she felt comfortable enough to be angry with Pam was a compliment to her parenting. She couldn't even conceive of a world in which she would be able to raise her voice at her parents, and look at how that turned out. She'd bottled everything up so tight inside that she eventually just burst and took joy in watching the life drain from their eyes. Okay, maybe not joy, but amusement, certainly. She and Joe's relationship was different, it was open and affectionate, typically. Pam thought back to the days when Joe would run out of the house to greet her in the evenings, a million questions on her mind that only Pam could answer. Maybe she wasn't that little girl anymore. Maybe her grievances were real now, her problems legitimate, but at the end of the day she'd always be the baby Pam couldn't rock to sleep at night. She'd cry and fight and kick, but she'd eventually tire herself out, wouldn't she? And even when Joe left Pam would still have Harley, for a little while, anyway. She was still lost in her thoughts when a pair of headlights bobbed up the driveway behind her, the car coming to a stop next to her. Joe pulled herself out of the passenger seat, noticeably wincing as she did, and limped up the driveway to the front steps. Pam watched her as she went, but made no move to follow, so Harley came around and knocked on her window, which she rolled down. Hey, Harley said, the traces of a smile on her face. Did you just get home? No, Pam replied, watching Joe open the front door and disappear inside. Then what are you doing out here? Pam just shrugged, turning to give her wife a chaste kiss before rolling the window back up and opening the door. How was your day, she asked as she locked the car. Well. Harley took a deep breath and interlaced their fingers, stopping Pam's forward momentum. It was sort of, significant. Significant, Pam repeated the word slower, trying to understand its meaning. How so? Harley bit the inside of her cheek, evidently gathering some courage before saying, I got Joe outfitted for her Batgirl suit. I'm sorry? I took her to the Batcave, she had her first training session, and her suit should be ready by next week, Harley reiterated. She, um, she chose green. What does that mean? Well every Batgirl has sort of had their own color, she explained. Mine was blue, Babs was gold, Steph's was purple, Cass is black and, now Joe's will be green. You turned our daughter into a vigilante without consulting me first? Pam asked. Harley sighed. Yes, Pam, I did. It will give her some purpose and direction and hopefully fill in that life's passion-sized hole we left in her. So. Pam furrowed her brow. You thought that warranted turning our 15-year-old daughter loose on the streets of Gotham City in hopes that she can help lower the astronomical crime rate? Hey. Harley protested, looking offended. I worked my ass off to get that thing down. 
Gotham's safer now than ever before. Well congratulations, Pam offered. But Jolene is a child, and she's not invincible, and not immortal. One stray bullet, one mistimed jump and our daughter is dead. Is that what you want? Is that worth her momentary unhappiness? Pamela, Harley rolled her eyes, tearing her hand away. She was born into this. It's inevitable. She's been waiting for this day since she was like three years old. If you want to get back in her good graces, you're going to have to support her here. She's excited and she chose that fucking color as a way of reaching out to you. Don't smack down an olive branch. I'm not, Harleen, this has nothing to do with Joe, Pam retorted. I am upset with you. You just, did all this without consulting me? Not even a fucking phone call? God damn it, Pam, I did what I did. It's done now. Harley shot back. You knew this was coming, and she is ready, whether or not you are is another question entirely that's honestly a lot less important. Jolene discarded her sweaty sports bra, tossing it to the side of the tub before stripping off her spandex as well and gingerly easing herself into the warm water. Fuck. She exhaled, leaning her head back. She was used to getting beat up by gymnastics, but it turned out actually getting beat up by a human being hurt a bit worse. Her phone vibrated on the counter and she stretched for all she was worth to grab it, feeling like she'd scored a major victory when it was finally in her grasp. Carrie, I'm so sorry. I just want to make that clear. Only did it cause your mom and cat were on my case. Joe smiled. Don't worry about it. Is your ankle okay BTW? Think I might a overdid it in that last round. I just wanted to get you on your back. Carrie, is that what he said or what she said? Joe snickered as she typed her response. Let's go with, they, winky face. Winky face a bit much? She was waiting for Carrie's reply when she heard a somewhat timid knock on the door. I'm in the bath, Joe called out. Give me a minute. But they didn't, they just pushed open the door anyway. And sigh it was Pam. Mom. What the hell, dude? I'm naked. And I created you in a lab, Pam reminded her. Nothing I haven't seen before. She set a bottle of clear liquid down on the edge of the tub. That will help with your muscle fatigue and lactic acid buildup. Joe narrowed her eyes. How about you just call it, soreness, dot? How about you don't dictate my vocabulary? Pam countered with a suggestion of her own. Well, thanks, Joe mumbled, grabbing the bottle and dumping it in its entirety into the bathwater. You only needed about a tablespoon. I guess that's why warning labels were invented, Joe shrugged. Is it gonna kill me? No. Good. Joe cleared her throat. How's your hand? Pam glanced down and flexed her fingers. Some la, some soreness, she admitted. But it's functional. Joe nodded solemnly. That's good, so, I guess Ma told you? Pam smoothed her hands down her sides in a show of discomfort. She did, I, I understand you chose green as your highlight color. That's. It brings out my eyes, Joe quickly interrupted. It is the best color for me. No, I did it for you. Oh, oh, Pam deflated slightly in disappointment. 
Yes, well, it certainly does look lovely on you, but then again I think you look lovely in just about anything. You're my mom, Joe reminded her. You have to say that. It's hardwired. Right, Pam said with a smile. Well, that doesn't make it not true. Joe shifted in the tub, covering herself a little lazier now. Is it weird that your kid is gonna be Batgirl? You know, since you used to be a Batman villain and all. No, Pam shook her head. I made my peace with that long ago. My concern is for your well-being. Then she cleared her throat, pulling something out of her back pocket and coming to sit on the side of the tub. It was a photo, one of Joe at what she guessed was maybe four or five. Standing by the Christmas tree in the greenhouse wearing that old Batgirl leotard. I have a copy of this in my locker at the watchtower, Pam told her. It's to remind me why I'm a hero now. What I fight for, girls who believe they can be anything and my family. You happen to be both, she smiled, leaning over to kiss her on the forehead. I am honored to have raised such an empowered young woman. Joe blushed, turning away in the hope that her mom wouldn't notice. Are you, uh, are you still mad at me about this morning? Absolutely livid. Pam assured her, patting her on the head as she got up. But you apologized, and I'm going to choose to believe you were sincere. When? You're done up here, come out to the greenhouse and I'll help you get rid of that black eye. Joe smiled despite herself. All right. Oh, Pam stopped in the doorway. And you have leukemia, by the way. I'll compose a statement for you to send out on your Twitter account tonight. Chapter 42 Anthony adjusted his tie one last time before taking a deep breath and knocking on the door. I got this. Hey. He smiled when Karen opened the door, trailing off when he got a more complete look at her short, yellow dress. You look fantastic, summer personified. He amended. She smirked, arching an eyebrow. Those for me? Oh, yes, he suddenly remembered the potted lilies he was holding and offered them to her. She took them, studying them closely as she did. You know, I think usually guys just get like a bouquet or something. Well sure, but then what? Anthony prompted. You just throw them out after a few days? As long as you water them, these guys will keep you company for a while. He smiled. Why lilies? She asked. He shrugged, they just spoke to me. All right, Karen chuckled. Um, do you want to come in for a bit? Yes. No. Anthony glanced down at his watch. I think we should probably get going. I'd rather not miss our reservation. Reservation? Karen asked, looking mildly impressed. I sort of thought it would be a food cart kind of evening. He gave her a pointed look over, grinning as he did. A bit overdressed for tacos, now aren't you, and then before she could feel self-conscious he continued with, I certainly am, he gestured down to his steel-blue three-piece suit. Yeah, Jesus, I was about to ask if you were hot, Karen looked worried for a moment. Mmm, I usually let women decide that for themselves, he offered her his arm. Shall we? Karen snorted at that, calling out, that was cheap, as she quickly disappeared inside to set the flowers down on the counter before rejoining him in the hallway and I think I can make it to the elevator just fine on my own, thanks. Holy shit! 
Joe spun around, admiring herself. I look so frickin' hot. Okay, Bruce narrowed his eyes. But you understand that's not the point of it, yes? Well sure, Joe giggled. But, it's definitely a perk. She jumped up into the air to kick and then landed in a pirouette. Whatcha think, ma? Harley sighed. I think you look, older. Yeah, but do I look like a badass? Joe wanted to know, watching Harley expectantly through the slits of her cowl. Harley jetted her jaw to the side, narrowing her eyes slightly and tilting her head. Mmm. Yeah, total badass, her smile was wide and proud. The technology is similar to what I came up with for Ivy's first suit, before her mutation. These, Bruce indicated the glowing green panels that ran from Jolene's wrist, down the underside of her arms and sides, joining around the waist and then continuing down her thighs until they tapered off at the knee. Contains patented solar technology. While you don't actually have any control over plant life, I've been informed that sunlight does aid your body's naturally accelerated healing mechanisms. This suit will help amplify those abilities. Ha! Huh. Respawn. Joe exclaimed excitedly. You really went above and beyond, Uncle Bruce. Seriously. This thing is awesome. Well we'll see if it holds up tonight, he said. It's been more difficult to budget our manpower since Barbara left, but I'd like you with Damien for your first outing. You got it, boss, Joe saluted him. Please don't tell me you bought that suit just for me, Karen said once they were seated at their table. What? Anthony chuckled. A man can't own a nice suit. Well, now I'm curious, she sat back, amused. The clothes, and the restaurant, and the car you drove us over here in, what do your parents do? Or are they dead and you're living off the inheritance? Actually. He took a sip of his water, wishing with every fiber of his being he didn't have to spin this BS cover story again. Only one of them is dead, so, I guess that counts. He paused when he saw the waiter approaching, catching a glimpse of Karen's deeply apologetic expression. Good evening, the man smiled. Have you had a chance to look over our wine list yet? We'll take a bottle of whatever the lady would like, Anthony informed him. After a moment's deliberation, Karen looked up at the waiter to say, simply, something red, before smiling politely at him, implying in the kindest way possible that he should leave them alone for a bit. I'm so sorry, I had no idea. She turned her attention back to Anthony once the waiter was out of earshot. When you said you didn't have a father I just assumed. Oh, no, I never had one of those, he assured her. My parents are gay, well, okay, my ma is bi and my biological mother was gay, I think, if we want to get technical, as is my stepmother. Karen's brow was furrowed in confusion and Anthony could tell he was talking a bit fast. Fuck. I was raised by two women, is my point. Sorry for the runaround. Got it, Karen nodded slowly, sounds a bit, complicated. Not really, no. I was only six when mom died, Marie married quickly, but you don't care about all that, I'm just here to help you forget about your ex-husband. Anthony reminded her. Well you're buying me dinner, you dressed up. Karen cleared her throat, her gaze moving to her lap. Thought I'd at least get the basics down. Anthony shifted in his chair his stomach turning at the realization that he'd made her uncomfortable. 
Ma is a psychiatrist and best-selling author, he offered up the information as consolation. And my stepmother has her PhD in botanical engineering. Both are retired now, but yes, my PhD is paid for. Oh, Karen sounded a bit more interested now, once again smiling politely at the waiter as he filled her glass with wine and then exited the scene. They sound fascinating, she took a sip before setting her glass down and clearing her throat. Okay, I'm just going to level with you here, I haven't been on a date since my divorce and my ex-husband and I met in high school, so, to say I'm rusty is an insane understatement. That's perfectly alright, Anthony laughed, relieved he wasn't the only one that felt they could improve here. What was he like? Who? Your ex-husband. Oh, right, Karen took another sip of wine. Mal is, a man of principle. Anthony raised an eyebrow. That's all? All I want to share right now, yeah. She answered, curtly. So we just, what? Drive around until we spot trouble? Damien rolled his eyes beneath his cowl. This isn't the mystery gang, Jolene. We patrol while Carrie sits at the monitor back at the cave. Got it, Joe nodded ardently. So, if Carrie spots trouble, she points us in the right direction. Will you stop saying, spots trouble? It sounds ridiculous. Sorta like dressing up like a bat and jumping off buildings, huh? Joe snickered. I'm sorry, are you blind? He pulled down the visor in front of her and poked his finger into the bat symbol on her chest. Yeesh, alright, you're sensitive, I get it, she pushed his hand away. Want to make daddy proud and whatnot. I don't do this for Bruce, he cavorted. Blah, Joe spat in mock disgust. Keep your daddy issues on your side of the car, please and thank you. But hey, quick question, since you're like B-Man's clone or whatever, does that mean your dicks are the same size or do you still have to measure them? You're pushing it, kid, Damien said through clenched teeth. There's a reason I work alone. Because your people's skills are pretty weak? Joe guessed. Damien suddenly wrenched the wheel towards her, causing Joe's head to smack against her window thanks to the abrupt change in direction. Hey! Joe complained. Damien smirked, keeping his eyes on the road ahead. You're kidding, Karen laughed. Not one? No, I swear. Anthony stabbed at his salad. The only teams I was on were the mathletes and the debate team. Then what are you, into CrossFit or something, she cut into her steak. Or, parkour, maybe? A trampoliner? Anthony laughed. Is that a thing? Oh, it's totally a thing, Karen assured him. You must not be a California boy. He finished chewing quickly. No, I'm from Gotham, actually. Born and raised. But I was lucky enough to be exempt from the accent. I was gonna say. She smiled, focusing on her food once more. I was a cheerleader in high school, she divulged. Captain of the squad, actually. Are you serious? He was genuinely surprised. I never would have pegged you. Peg me for what? She questioned, a slight challenge to her tone as she raised an eyebrow. Because I sure as hell hope you weren't about to tell me cheerleading isn't a sport. Well. Anthony adjusted himself, 
proceeding with slight caution as he tried to keep a smile at bay. See, my ma and sister were gymnasts, so. Wait a minute, he seemed to have distracted her, your sister isn't Jolene Quinzel, is she? Uh, yeah, Anthony smiled. That's her. Anthony, oh my god. Karen reached across the table to hold his hand, her eyes full of pity. I thought I recognized the last name, but I had no idea. I was so sorry to hear about her diagnosis. Diagram, fucking, goddammit, Joe. I didn't need a pity fuck. She's a fighter, Anthony assured her. We're feeling optimistic. Seriously, who even robs banks anymore? Joe whispered. I mean, way more efficient to hack something, right? In this day and age? Shut up, Damien intoned, watching through his night vision binoculars as the would-be criminals placed a charge on the wall. You think they're going for the safety deposit boxes? Joe wondered. Cause they won't even be able to pay off the property damage with what's behind the counter. And do banks even have safes anymore? Damien's jaw was clenched in annoyance. If you continue to irritate or vex me, I will have you sent back to the cave for monitor duty. Ooh, but see, I've been known to be quite. Drop, now. Joe did as she was told, dropping from her perch on the side of the building and landing in a roll before popping back up to her feet. Hi, boys. The thief closest to her turned around, startled, while the one who was setting the charge sneered, Who the hell are you supposed to be? Well, I've got boobs and a bat symbol, so, you wanna take a guess? Battleman. The first one growled. Holy shit. Joe nearly doubled over with laughter. There were only two options and you still got it wrong. You must be a special kind of stupid, she wiped a tear from her eye. Nah, Batwoman is my mama's name. Call me Batgirl, she grinned. Alright, you little smartass, the second guy pulled out a gun, aiming it for her head. You got ones these in that utility belt? No, she sighed sadly, but I've got one of these. Damien swung into view then, kicking the gun out of his hand and pulling the other man's shirt over his eyes before punching him in the stomach a swift three times. Joe sprinted for the gun, sliding on the ground to pick it up and then turning around, still wearing that wide grin on her face. Now I got ones these and one a those. What more could a girl ask for, she pointed the gun at the second man, freezing him in his tracks and setting Damien up for the knockout blow, which he delivered to the man's temple. Night. Joe giggled excitedly, rushing over to handcuff them both. Okay, she turned to Damien. Next time you talk and I'll punch you. Anthony walked Karen to her door, his jacket draped over her shoulders, but she'd rather blatantly, although non-verbally, declined to hold hands, so, it was a toss-up. She stopped just outside, looking at her feet first before glancing up at him. I, I enjoyed myself more than I thought I would. Wow, is that Shakespeare? Such poetry. Anthony's words were teasing but his eyes were soft, his smile kind. Yeah, uh, sonnet 18, right? Hmm. Anthony tapped his chin thoughtfully. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day, thou art more lovely and more temperate. I enjoyed myself more than I thought I would, yeah, he decided. Yeah, that sounds about right. Karen shook her head with something Anthony was hoping approached affection as she unlocked the door.
She seemed confused when she pushed it open and he took a step back. Aren't you coming in? Well, mom told me to be clear in my intentions. If you insist, he smiled, moving past her into the apartment. Karen shut the door behind them, setting her keys down on the counter and flicking on a light switch, illuminating what Anthony thought was better described as a loft than an apartment. Wow. He whistled, walking towards the large picture window that overlooked the San Francisco Bay. That's, quite the view. Emicham. She acknowledged, and he could hear the smile on her lips. Makes the 40-minute commute worth it. You want a drink? Alcohol doesn't really affect me. No, I think I'm good. You go ahead, though. He turned around to watch her, but she headed for the couch rather than the kitchen, stripping his jacket off and setting it down beside her. The wine was plenty for me, she told him. He nodded, his eyes drifting from her momentarily before landing on a piano that he'd missed while he was distracted by the view. Clutch. Is that a piano? he asked, nodding towards it. Is that a rhetorical question? she chuckled. He smirked, approaching it. Do you mind if I... Nope, be my guest. She sighed, sitting back into the couch cushions, crossing one leg over the other. You play? I dabble, he said nonchalantly, sitting down on the bench. Do you? No, not really. She answered. That was already here when I moved in and nobody came to pick it up, so, I thought maybe I'd learn someday. Mmm. Anthony smiled to himself, cracking his knuckles before spreading his fingers out on the keys. He elected to start with a personal favorite, Chopin, Nocturne Op 9 No. 2. Beautiful, romantic, haunting, even, but also approachable. He'd only been playing for about 20 seconds when he heard Karen laugh behind him. Just dabble, huh? Anthony craned his neck to look at her, but continued to play, shrugging as he said, I do my best. Uh-huh. She was unconvinced. So that's your big move? You hope the girl has a piano so you can exceed her wildest expectations with some Chopin? What happens if she doesn't have a piano? Anthony laughed, turning his focus back to the keys. I sing but it's always nicer when the two go together. Yeah, I'm sure. Karen got up, coming around to stand on the other side of the instrument so that they were speaking face to face. So what's your go-to, she asked. What's your song? With those suits and that golden boy smile it's probably something classic, right? Wow them with a little depth. Sinatra? Elvis, maybe? Am I that transparent? The look on her face was telling him he most definitely was. Fine, we'll go the other route. He quickly changed the key, moving on to a new song. What are you doing? she asked, likely beginning to recognize what he was playing. Well, if you're not going to take me seriously, I'm not going to take myself seriously either. He decided, and then began to sing, close your eyes, make a wish slash and blow out the candlelight. Karen arched her brow. You're kidding. Anthony just shook his head, trying his very best to keep a straight face. For tonight is just your night slash we're gonna celebrate, all through the night. Oh my god, she covered her eyes. This isn't happening. Pour the wine, light the fire slash girl your wish is my command. Stop it, she had to bite her lip to keep from laughing.
I submit to your demands slash I will do anything, girl you need only ask. You are not about to. I'll make love to you. Anthony stood up from the bench. Like you want me to. And I'll hold you tight. Baby, all through the night. Karen couldn't even look at him, she was laughing so hard. I'll make love to you. Like you want me to. And I will not let go till you tell me to. God. She buried her face in her hands. What? Anthony laughed, quieting his playing. Too much. Karen was trying to pull herself together. Well, having a white boy serenade me with boys two men certainly wasn't something on my bucket list. Oh, all right, all right, he stopped, grinning. Point taken. I'll, uh, I'll try something a little whiter. He sat back down on the bench and tried again, performing a short riff before beginning. I feel like I've been locked up tight for a century of lonely nights. No, Karen shook her head, clearly in denial. No. Waiting for someone, to release me, he continued despite her protests, rolling his upper body and winking. You're licking your lips and blowing kisses my way slash but that doesn't mean I'm gonna give it away slash baby baby baby. Why? Ooh, my body's saying let's go slash you, but my heart is saying no. Why are there piano chords to this? If you wanna be with me, baby there's a price to pay slash I'm a genie in a bottle slash you gotta rub me the right way. And why do you know them? Karen demanded. That's the more important question here. Anthony chuckled, banging out one final note. Remember that whole bit about growing up in a house full of women? Yeah, I wasn't kidding. Karen covered her mouth to hide her smile. Pretty sure Christina Aguilera identifies as Latina. Well, fine, Anthony sighed, taking his hands away from the keys and standing up. But if I go any whiter I think it'll have to be a cappella. S, should I be afraid? Karen wanted to know. I don't know, Anthony shrugged, unbuttoning his vest. We'll see if you can handle it. Why does it seem like I'm more embarrassed then? If I was your boyfriend I'd never let you go. My God. Emma takes you places you ain't never been before. Please. Baby take a chance or you'll never ever know slash I've got money in my hand that I'd really like to blow. I know you're not about to say, swag, dot. Karen assured herself. Swag, 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 on you. What does that even mean? Chillin' by the fire while we're eatin' fondue. That's not sexy. I don't know about me, but I know about you slash so say hello to falsetto in three, two, I'd like to be, everything you want. Jesus, no. Karen grabbed desperately for his shirt, pulling him towards her. Just shut up and kiss me, please. Anthony grinned before complying, hoisting her legs up around his waist as he walked them towards the couch. How was she? Bruce asked once both Damien and Jolene had climbed out of the Batmobile. Terrible, Damien answered, pulling his cowl off. She's a little brat and a total pain in the ass. Sounds familiar. Bruce mumbled. But I don't care about her temperament. Was she effective? She's fine, Damien snapped, descending quickly down the platform steps. Just don't put her with me anymore. I work better alone. 
Jolene waved after him as he quickly exited the cave. See you later, alligator. He flipped her off without looking back, which seemed to amuse her. Can I be honest with you, Uncle Bruce, she asked, turning her attention to him. Bruce cleared his throat and nodded. Your son. He's sort of a punk-ass bitch. She informed him. Oh. He leaned back against the railing, crossing his arms. I heard there are times when you aren't much better. Joe rolled her eyes. I already apologized for that whole thing. Glad to hear it, Bruce granted. I'm just saying throwing rocks might be ill-advised. The sun was coming up now, her shift was over, Ma was waiting to bring her back home, but Joe would have given almost anything for just one more moment in her bat suit. Tomorrow, she reminded herself as she pulled on her civilian clothes and closed the glass case on her suit, giving it a quick wave goodbye, which she wished she could take back as it made her feel incredibly stupid. She unlocked her phone as she headed for the exit, checking for any notifications she missed while they were separated, there were a few emails from colleges, a bunch of get well, tweets aimed at her, and a Facebook message from, you've gotta be fucking kidding me. Jason Todd, you're an incredibly easy girl to track down, you know that? Chapter 43. Did you? BZZT. Did you see? BZZT. Jolene. Pam shouted. Will you put that thing away? Who in the world are you talking to that's so important they can't wait for 30 minutes while we eat dinner? Joe snatched her phone off the table. They're tweets from all the people that think I have cancer. Have a little sensitivity. For your fictional cancer diagnosis? Harley just continued with her meal. First off, she liked burgers, and for once in her life she hadn't turned them into hockey pucks. These ones could conceivably be eaten without a gallon of water, and the fact that no one was appreciating it was sort of pissing her off. But secondly, she'd learned that it was best to only intervene in Pam and Joe's arguments when it was absolutely necessary. She decided to wait a bit on this one. Currently, Joe was texting and Pam was glaring, so, things were calming back down. Did I see what? Harley prompted. Pam slowly turned her attention back her way. Did you see Barbara's press conference today? Oh, Harley smiled, saying, yeah. She looked pretty cute, at the same time Pam was saying, she sounded competent. Hotter than her dad and a more engaging speaker, Joe was the tiebreaker. There. We all win. Plus, having a police chief who used to be a vigilante is sort of the best-case scenario. For us, anyway. Pam cleared her throat as she picked at her salad. How has it been? Working with Damien. Mmm, how would you describe his friendship with Anthony? Joe asked. Flimsy, was Harley's answer. Oh, good. Joe grinned. Because, at the rate we're going, I doubt the Wayne Quinzel relationship will survive this generation. Unless this is his baby I'm carrying. Harley laughed, but Pam was a little harder to please. Ooh, teen pregnancy jokes, those are fun, she said, facetiously, as she popped a cherry tomato into her mouth. Humor is subjective, Joe sneered. So they say. Pam sighed as she got up from the table to put her plate in the sink. With her back turned, she asked, are you still seeing that Jason boy? Harley slowly sat at attention. 
This was one of the subjects that she put herself on alert for, and she was ready to step in if it got too heated, like, if anyone decided to punch a wall or anything. Jolene's gaze was even and cold, her expression a bit haughty. When I can. Been sorta busy this last month. Although Harley couldn't see her face, she did see Pam's shoulders visibly relax. Well, I'm glad to hear you're learning to efficiently budget your time. She said as she turned the faucet on to clean her plate. Joe pushed away from the table. Yeah, you bet. Good talk, guys. Plate, Jolene. Pam reminded her as she headed for the stairs. No, I got it, Harley said, hoping to avoid Joe storming down the stairs and then leaving again in an angry huff. Thanks, she shouted over her shoulder as she disappeared into her bedroom. Pam's sigh was long and loud, so much so that Harley would describe it as straight-up aggressive rather than passive-aggressive. I really don't think it's too much to ask that she brings her plate to the sink. She doesn't do any housework, she doesn't help me in the garden, she has literally one chore and it's that. We don't even ask that she washes it, just that she sets it on the sink. Is that really so hard? Harley stacked her plate on top of Joe's and brought them both over, planting a kiss on Pam's cheek when she arrived. No, it's not hard. Then why do we demand so little of her? Pam asked in a tone that made the question sound not at all rhetorical. Because it's easier? Harley laughed. And according to JFK, that's the best way to go about parenting. Pam furrowed her brow in confusion. You know, not because they're hard, but because they're easy. Harley clarified. Now Pam's eyes were narrowed critically. Okay, she began, calmly. Firstly, you've got the quote backwards, he was encouraging taking on what seemed impossible. And secondly, it was about space travel, not parenting. But it's good to know you paid such excellent attention in school. Harley snickered as she leaned forward to give her a proper kiss. Thank goodness you're here to educate me, then. Pam rolled her eyes as she kissed her. I know you only say things like that to stroke my ego. Hey, 32 years, I must be doing something right, Harley winked. I'm serious, Pam said, wrapping her arms around Harley's waist to pull her closer. And I love that she seems relatively fulfilled by her new position and her inclusion into that world, but it seems like the only thing her being Batgirl didn't fix was our relationship. She seems perfectly chipper around just about anyone else, you included. Harley wished there was a quick fix. She really did. She could see how much Pam was hurting, and there were a million strategies she could employ, if she thought about it. Ways to convince Pam to see the situation in a different light or perhaps convince her to adjust how she was handling it, but Harley felt a bit tired, quite frankly. She liked games, she always would, but at this point, it didn't seem worth the toll it took on Pam, not when she was already getting so much shit from Joe. And, okay, like, this is going to sound stupid, probably, but sometimes Pam wore her glasses. That's not, ugh, it was difficult for Harley to explain. But, see, Ivy's superpowers gave her 20-20th's vision. Without them or before them she wore glasses, and when she paled her skin her vision tended to lose its sharpness, so while they were part of her human disguise, they were also largely necessary. And now, sometimes, when Pam got home from the watchtower in the evenings, she would come inside and keep her glasses on, keep her skin pale, 
and honestly Harley wasn't sure if she did it on purpose or what, but she liked the idea that Pam felt comfortable like that. Relating to her family as human, it was, well it was just really cute and sweet intended to remind Harley that while, yes, she was married to an immortal metahuman, Pam was still a human being, was now, had been, and that human that came before was like, wonderful. Harley knew their connection wouldn't have been as instantaneous if she'd met Pamela rather than poison Ivy. And of course the fact that Ivy needed fixing was a big draw for her, for better or worse, worse, probably for worse. And yeah, so it had taken some time for Harley to fall completely in love with Pamela rather. Then just be excited by Ivy or excited by the challenge and danger of being with Ivy, but, in any case, long story short, yeesh, was that a tangent, Harls, occasionally Pamela was comfortable just being Pamela now at the end of the day and that made it extremely difficult to see her sad or hurt, especially when it came at the hands of she or Joe. Pam just had such an incredible idea of female camaraderie, it was like the last hope she held on to, the one subject she wasn't completely jaded about, so anyway, it broke Harley's heart seeing Pam realize that perhaps she had, and would always have, a stronger and easier connection with her son than with her daughter. Pam was looking at her oddly now, her head cocked to the side, and it was only then that Harley realized her eyes had welled up with tears thanks to her internal monologue. Great. I didn't mean it to sound like I blamed you, Pam said, softly, likely thinking that was what the tears were about as she moved her sleeve to wipe them away from Harley's cheeks. I'm sorry. It's okay, Harley whispered, suddenly wrapping her up in a tight hug. I'm sorry about Joe. I don't, I don't really know how to fix it. Pam seemed a bit surprised by how tight Harley was now gripping her, so her voice was slightly higher than usual when she said, it's not your fault. Harley loosened her grip slightly when she felt Pam's hand begin to slowly trail soothingly up and down her spine. She's just, she's different from me where it counts, Harley told her. She's angrier, and she holds on to it a whole lot better. Pam sighed as they separated. Your highs and my lows, her smile was tinged with sadness. How charming. 9, that's when he said he'd be here. 8 58, that's what time it was. But Joe couldn't make her legs move. No. She wasn't scared, pfft. He was just a stupid boy, one she didn't even really like. I mean, he's enjoyable to look at, and sometimes he says things that could be interpreted as charming. Honestly, this was the first time she'd seen him face to face since their chance encounter, but they'd been messaging a lot, like, a lot, and talking on the phone too, but no, she wasn't scared. There was nothing to be scared about. She straightened her hair in front of the mirror, zipped up her jacket and slipped her phone into the back pocket of her jeans, then descended the stairs quickly. Nine would mean they'd have, what? Three hours before she had to report to the Batcave? That should be enough time. Enough time? Enough time for what, you perv? Fuck it. She'd figure it out. Her parents were sitting on one of the couches in the living room, Pam reading a book with Harley asleep on her lap. Where are you off to? Pam asked, her voice not much louder than a whisper. Oh, um, Carrie's. Joe lied, taking on a similar volume as clutched the doorknob in her hand. We're gonna watch, Carol. 
Pam didn't look terribly convinced. Carol. Yeah, Joe affirmed, nodding. Carrie wants to explain the weird-ass cinematography to me because I found it super distracting but evidently it's art, according to her anyway. She shrugged. Then she'll drive us both to the cave. Fine, Pam waved her off. Have fun and be safe tonight, please. Will do, Joe opened the door. Carol? Fucking Carol? Selling it a little hard there, aren't ya, Jolene? I love you. Pam said as Joe stepped onto the porch. Mmm. I know, Joe called behind her, closing the door and starting off down the street. Jason was waiting on his motorcycle on the corner, his hair tousled and his, yeah, he's hot, okay? Hey, he said, offering her a helmet. I think you're supposed to zip up the jacket when you ride, she said, nodding to the t-shirt that was visible through the open zipper of his leather jacket. I think that's sort of the point of it. To protect you. Thanks for the safety tip, officer. He nudged the helmet into her hand. This is for you. I got it. Joe grabbed it from him. Where are we going? There's this takeout spot by my place, thought we could go there. He told her. T, to the takeout place? Joe knew what he meant, but her insecurity was showing. Nah, the food's already at home. Let's go. He gestured for her to get on behind him. Yeah, Joe, let's go. Just hop on the back of that motorcycle with a boy who you've had like three face-to-face -face conversations with and who's made his intentions super-duper clear. Just, go ahead and do that. All in one quick motion, before she could think better of it or chicken out, she pulled the helmet onto her head and fastened the strap below her chin, getting on and tentatively wrapping her arms around his ribs. Okay, so yeah, he's muscular. But he wasn't like the Anthony underwear model archetype, and not like any of the male gymnasts she knew, not like Damien. Like a mechanic, he was muscular like a mechanic and what the fuck, Joe? Quit being a perv. The ride was quick and somewhat painless, he only ran one red light and, really, Joe couldn't say she wouldn't have done the same, so, no harm no foul, she supposed. And who was she to talk? She went out at night and assaulted people, criminals, but still. She'd felt a little guiltier about breaking laws since her godmother became police chief, though. Jason didn't help her off when they arrived outside his building, but whatever, she didn't need help anyway. Joe was totally capable of getting off the bike by herself. In fact, yeah, thank you, Jason, for not patronizing me. Mom would like him. Or, would she? Who cares? Fuck mom. No, don't fuck mom. Like, fuck you, mom. Yeah, okay. Good. Joe was nodding to herself as Jason opened the front door to his building and led her inside. You good? He asked. Who, me? Never better. Was Joe's, hopefully convincing, answer. I hope you like fad Thai because it's all I ordered. Jason told her as he tossed his keys onto the kitchen counter in his sparsely decorated, ground-level, one-bedroom apartment. This is, uh, nice, Joe offered as he shut the door behind her. It's, um, who's your decorator? I'll have to give them a call. Ha, huh, good one. His words dripped with sarcasm. I know it's lame. 
but it's got a TV and a fridge and a bed, and that's really all I need. He said, plopping down on said couch. Besides, it's a whole lot better than the shithole I grew up in. Well that, sounded mildly interesting. Oh. Joe prompted. Yeah, he didn't elaborate, but pointed to the plastic bag on the counter near where Joe was standing. Wanna hang me one of those? S, sure, Joe turned, grabbing the two to-go containers out of the bag. Um, utensils? Should be chopsticks in there. There were. Good. She grabbed them too, carrying everything to the couch and handing Jason one of the containers. So. Joe began as she sat next to him and opened her food. How long have you been living alone? Since I was twelve, he told her, after he'd swallowed his first bite. Well, for a year, anyway. Then the foster care system got a hold of me and I got out like two years later. Oh, were you adopted? Joe asked. No, he laughed. No, I ran away. Got a job, the rest is history. Joe sat back into the cushions just a bit, feeling slightly more comfortable now that she knew a bit more about him. What, um, what happened at twelve? Why did you need to go into foster care? Shit's a little heavy. Oh, I don't mind. Joe assured him. I've seen my fair share of heavy shit, dot. That right, he mumbled, looking like he needed to convince himself. Well my mom OD'd, and left me to fend for myself for a bit. Ended up stealing some hubcaps off of Oswald Cobblepot's car. Penguin? Yeah, that's him. They caught me, thought they were gonna kill me, to be honest, but instead they said I owed M a debt. So when I broke out of the foster care system, that's where I went. But he's like a mobster, Joe reminded him once his story was finished. Yeah, Jason chuckled humorlessly. I didn't care. They took me in when I had nobody and employed me until I could stand on my own two feet. Oh. Joe looked down at her lap. Okay, so yes, he was sort of an asshole, but he'd also endured a lot of fucked up shit. Ma always said there's a reason for. The way everyone turned out, the fact that he's even halfway decent after what happened to him, that's almost impressive, right? Whatever, he was shrugging. It is what it is, we all have our little tragedies. Nobody cares. I don't, no, I care. Don't say that, Joe implored, leaning forward to grasp his hand and look at him meaningfully. Don't sweep that shit under the rug. Yeah, I don't really tell anybody about that, he mumbled. The realization that he'd trusted her enough to share it, even though it may have made him feel vulnerable, gave Joe a warm feeling in the pit of her stomach. Without much thought or foresight, she leaned over and gave him a kiss on the cheek. She was a bit embarrassed by the fact that she was now blushing a lot harder than he was, but her mind quickly became occupied with other thoughts when he reached for her food, setting it down on the stack of magazines he used for a coffee table along with his own food, and moved toward her so close that she could feel his breath on her lips and hear her heart pounding in her ears. And then his lips were pressed against hers. Joe had been kissed before, she'd kissed other people too, boys and girls, she honestly didn't have much of a preference. But none of those had ever felt this, real? It was all cursory, or just a game, or on a dare, but this time it felt like it meant something. 
probably because they were alone in his apartment and like, he'd already sent her a dick pic, she knew what she was getting into, she knew it from the beginning. But he wasn't a bad kisser, that was something she could comment on definitively. And she, was attracted to him, otherwise why did she come here? Certainly not to eat subpar Thai food. Jason was pressing her down onto the couch now, his weight on top of her, that didn't exactly feel bad either, but things did feel like they were moving a bit fast, she'd only had one bite of her noodles and she was actually a bit hungry. Maybe she could finish them after. After what, Joe? You good here or do you want to move to the bedroom? He asked, separating for a moment but keeping his hand under her shirt. Am I good here? Do I want to lose my virginity on a couch? Oh God, is that what I'm about to do? No, let's, bedroom, hey, at 15 Ma was sleeping with her grown-ass gymnastics coach. This is a huge improvement. Jason got up, helping her this time, which she did happen to like. He led the way, her hand in his into one of the apartment's two internal doors. This one wasn't the bathroom, although it was so small it almost could have been. There was a bed, though, and it was made, which she found oddly endearing. Jason was kissing her again and walking her backwards towards the bed, but as she went she caught sight of a poster on the wall over his shoulder and ripped her mouth away immediately. What the fuck is that? She asked, pointing. He stopped, although his annoyance was clear, and turned to look. It's a pinup. Aren't you bi or whatever? What do you care about? No, it's, she, no, Jolene was staring her mother straight in the face. It was one of those stupid, I want you, to recycle, posters she'd posed for during one of her first ad campaigns. Not a Poison Ivy fan? That seemed to surprise him. She's a feminist, right? Thought you'd be into that. She's, it's gotta come down. Joe said. Just for a bit, just while we, take it down. Why? Because I don't want my MOM watching me have sex. I just, uh, inadequacies and beauty standards and, look, buddy, do you want to fuck me or not? All right, damn. He pushed past her and took the tacks out of the poster, rolling it up and setting it on the floor. Happy? Joe scanned the room and shook her head once more when her eyes landed on a plant. That guy too. He's gotta go. Who? My plant? Yep, your plant. Joe nodded fiercely. That motherfucker will tattle on me so quickly. Jason huffed at that, but ultimately caved, picking up the plant by its plot and setting it outside the bedroom door. Better? Um, Joe cleared her throat, smoothing her hands nervously down her legs. Yeah. Joe walked as quickly as she could down to the Batcave, pressing her thumb to the keypad that opened the main entrance. She was about twenty minutes early which was perfect as she knew that getting into her suit would help some of the current discomfort she was experiencing go away. She sincerely hoped her accelerated healing applied to soreness as well, it usually did, after all, but this feeling was new. Damien was sitting at the monitor next to Carrie, looking over some area statistics, but he looked up when she entered, his expression portraying something Joe thought almost looked like, pity? You have a visitor, he intoned. A6 but Joe couldn't even get out a full word before, Jolene Quinzel, echoed through the Batcave. Chapter 44 Oh, fuck.
Pamela stood against the railing as she watched the words pass through her daughter's lips on the ground below her. Come here. Now. She told her, her voice still carrying with a slight echo. Uh, Joe's body language made it clear she wanted to run screaming from the room. No, I, uh, I think I'm good down here, thanks. Her skin hot and tingling with rage, Pam said, as calmly as she could possibly manage, that wasn't a suggestion. I don't want to do this in front of your friends. Carrie's eyes immediately fell to her lap, her cheeks turning bright red, Cass busied herself with dusting off her suit, the one that spent its days in a glass case, and Bruce went to get himself another cup of coffee. Damien was the only one who continued to watch the situation unfold. Jolene, Pam said again, and this time it got her moving. Joe trudged up the stairs, her eyes at her feet, a few beads of sweat visible on her brow. She stopped about a yard in front of Pam and slowly raised her gaze. She looked guilty, her shoulders slouched, her eye contact shaky, a slight blush in her cheeks. Pam pointed to Harley's office and Joe led the way, going in and sitting on the couch. Pam followed, closing the door behind them. You lied to me, her tone was icy as she crossed her arms, standing above her daughter. Right to my face, you lied. How did you? No you weren't with Carrie? Pam guessed. You mean aside from the fact that you never even briefed her on what you were actually doing? She told you I wasn't with her? No, she had no idea where you were. No one did, Jolene. What if he was violent? What if he'd hurt you? Pam asked. There's nothing anyone could have done about it. Except for you. Joe sighed. Did the cactus tell you? Jolene, Pam rubbed her eyes quickly, pinching the bridge of her nose for a moment. When I say I'm a goddess, or the physical embodiment of Mother Nature, or even a fucking superhero, what do you think? Do you think I'm lying? Do you think I just say those things to sound cool or to boast, or maybe to frighten you? No, Jolene, I can hear everything. I can see everything. And I could see and hear you in that shitty apartment in South Gotham. Joe's face was drained of all colors. You didn't, Mom, you didn't. Of course I didn't, who the fuck do you think I am? Pam demanded. Honestly, Jolene, I know we haven't exactly been getting along lately, but in what world would I, I know how to shut it off. Joe seemed to relax at that news, well, slightly, as much as one could while they were still being actively yelled at. Do you know how old he is? Pam asked. Um. Joe shifted uncomfortably under the question. Older than me? Seven years older than you, Pam spat. He is a 22-year-old man and you are a child. He's older than your brother. You know, the one with the college degree. No, that's not, no. Joe shook her head. No, he was at my high school. Yes, taking college extension courses. Pam swiftly crossed over to Harley's desk and grabbed the papers sitting there, dropping them down onto Joe's lap. His transcripts, if you're curious. No surprise he's an idiot. Where did you get these? Joe asked as she flipped through them. The Batcave is equipped with one of the most advanced computers in the world, Pam told her. Some cursory background research wasn't difficult. 
I'm surprised you didn't feel it was necessary to do any before sleeping with him. Don't you care who you're sharing that part of yourself with? Why, yes, of course I do. Joe shot up, throwing the papers aside. And I, I like him, so, what does it matter? It doesn't matter if you like him. He's 22 years old. Pam yelled, in utter disbelief that she was having to explain this. You are a 15-year-old who was just statutorily raped. You understand that, don't you? Have you never listened? To a word your mother has said? Surely she explained this issue to you, I know I certainly have. It's not the same as it was for her. Joe shot back. Jason doesn't get anything from being with me, and neither do I. It's not, Ma was blackmailed. This isn't that. Pam shook her head, turning away from her. Statutorily raped by a man named Jason, I suppose I should be impressed. I sincerely appreciate equal representation. She grabbed her jacket from the coat rack and headed towards the door. Hey. Joe tried to stop her. Where are you going? Home. Pam opened the door. But you, you're not gonna make me come with you? Joe asked, bewildered. No, Pam confirmed. You have a job to do. And if you're old enough to have sex with a grown man, and if you're old enough to hate me, then you're old enough to honor your professional responsibilities. Mom. Joe followed after her as Pam headed for the walkway. Mom, look I'm, I'm sorry I lied. Pam suddenly spun around, grabbing her daughter by the front of her shirt and pulling her close enough to touch her lips to her ear. If he hurts you. A vine slowly slithered out of her wrist, wrapping itself loosely around Joe's neck. I will rape him with his own cock. Do you understand me? She felt Joe swallow below the vine as the girl's pulse quickened. Yes, she whispered. Good, Pam murmured, retracting the vine slowly and releasing her shirt. Her mouth was drawn into a hard line as she gave Joe one last look over. It will be up to you to tell your mother, and with that, she turned and made her way down the stairs, mumbling, Bruce, as she passed him by. Harley rolled over onto her other side, reaching to put her arm around Pam, but feeling a pillow there instead. Groggily, she opened her eyes, scanning the other side of the bed, which her wife was noticeably missing from. Pam, she said aloud, her voice raspy with sleep. Pam, I want to be cuddled. No answer. Harley looked around the room, confused. It was, 2 am, according to her phone. Pam usually didn't wake up until the sun came up or maybe just before. Maybe she got called in, Harley thought as she yawned. But as she stretched and rolled onto her back, she noticed the window that faced the backyard was illuminated with light. Pulling herself out of bed, she approached the window and looked down, seeing Pam sitting in her garden with her knees drawn to her chest. The fuck? Harley wondered, grabbing her robe and starting out of the bedroom and down the stairs, out into the backyard. Pam didn't look up at the sound of the back door closing. What the hell are you doing? It's 2 a.m. Harley told her, crossing the yard to stand next to her. These children are all so well-behaved, Pam chuckled, gently brushing the tips of their petals with her finger. Sunlight, water, mulch when it gets cold, a few whispered words of encouragement every now and again, they're perfect. Harley looked at her strangely. 
you all right? No, no not really, Pam smiled up at her. Did, something happen with Joe? Harley wondered, sitting down next to her. She had gone to sleep pretty early. Pam didn't answer, just wrapped an arm around her shoulder and pulled her close, until Harley was resting her head on her shoulder. Harley was confused, but also super tired, and the night was warm and Pam smelled good, so she let her eyes drift close. Remember with Anthony? Pam asked. When we first brought him home, and we had him all to ourselves, and it was just, peaceful? And he smiled and I held him and he was quiet and comforted because he knew that he was loved. Yeah, Harley mumbled. Does Joe know, do you think? Pam asked. Yes, Harley whispered. She knows. This tea is garbage. Pam mumbled as she sat down with her mug at the table, taking the newspaper that was sitting in front of Harleen and extracting the home and gardening section before returning the rest to her. No, it's tea. Harleen corrected. Pam deemed it far too early for this particular brand of humor. It tastes like garbage. Then maybe you should go to the store and get yourself something better. Harley suggested, staring down at her phone. The grocery stores in this city represent the worst of corporate America. Pam scowled at the taste of the liquid in her cup. I would go if there was a farmer's market. They don't sell tea at the farmer's market, Pam. Sure they do. The redhead set her mug down and opened the paper. Harleen rolled her eyes. Is Joe up yet? No. Pam told her. But she's 16. If she can't get to school on time at this point, then she deserves detention. Harley was preparing her response when her phone rang on the table. She snatched it up immediately, answering it and then setting it back down. Anthony. What a fun surprise. Hold on one second, I'm going to put you on speaker. Mom's here with me. It wasn't a surprise. Pam casually set the record straight. She's been looking at her phone for the last 15 minutes. Anthony laughed. I could have guessed. Anyway. Harley began, shooting Pam a look across the table. How is your week shaping up? You're definitely coming home for Thanksgiving on Thursday, right? Selena's making the turkey herself, so it should be terrible. Anthony laughed again. I'll be there. With a friend, actually. If that's all right. Ooh, did Tony finally find himself a girl? Jolene asked, having silently crept into the kitchen. No coffee. Pamela snapped at the girl preemptively. Joe stopped mid-pour, setting the coffee pot back down. Motherfucker. She mumbled. Props for the pun. Pam offered, flipping the page. Is that your next billboard slogan? Joe sneered. Pam looked across the table, offering her daughter a tone-deaf smile. I'll be sure to send an advanced copy to your boyfriend. She didn't wait for Joe's reaction before focusing her attention back on her paper. Right. Anthony said, trying to assert himself back into the conversation. So in any case. Is she cute? Harleen asked. Scale from mom to Angela Merkel. Um. He considered the parameters of the question. Hillary Clinton at the 1996 Democratic National Convention. Harley and Jolene both furrowed their brows, 
trying to conjure a mental image. Hot enough to notice, hotter when you factor in her intellect. Pam translated, her focus never wavering from the article she was reading. Ah, Harleen and Joe said in unison. Anthony ended the phone call with a smile, listening as the shower shut off. Karen appeared a few moments later, a towel around her body and her hair perfectly dry. You found the shower caps? Anthony prompted, propping himself up a bit by putting his arm beneath his head. I did, she confirmed, heading for the closet. Thank you. Anthony smiled as he watched her move his clothes to the side to access the corner he'd cleared out for her. She kept a couple outfits there as his apartment was considerably closer to campus than her loft was, and it was always good to be prepared. I've got a question. Karen said, her attention still on the clothes. Well I hope I have an answer. Anthony sat up, knowing that he had a question of his own to ask. Did you just, like, watch crazy, stupid, love one time and go, I want that, about Ryan Gosling's wardrobe? Karen wondered. Because it seriously looks like he threw up in here. Anthony snorted. I fail to see how that's a bad thing. Her responding snicker made him shake his head, and quietly descended as she proceeded to get dressed. Just ask, dude. Hey, he piped up. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? I don't know, she replied distractedly as she buttoned up her shirt. Might do like a Friendsgiving thing since my parents seem to be taking Mal's side in the divorce. Sweet, well, not sweet, but helpful for my purposes. Oh, well, we could spend it together, if you wanted. He casually suggested. Karen shrugged, heading back to the bathroom to apply her makeup. Sure, why not? We're not bad cooks, after all. I actually go back to Gotham for Thanksgiving, Anthony told her. I'm flying out on Wednesday, if you're interested. Are you asking me to spend Thanksgiving with your family? she asked. That's, yes, that's what I'm asking. Anthony admitted, getting out of bed and coming to stand in the doorway. They said they'd love to have you. She stopped, setting down her mascara. You already told them I was coming? Well, no, I just asked if you could. He assured her. You don't have to do anything, I just, I'd really like you to. Why? she asked. Because I like you, he chuckled. I like you a lot, and I'd like you to meet the other people in my life that are important to me. No, I mean why would I want to meet your parents? Karen clarified. Anthony felt like the answer could easily be found in his previous statement. But either way, he sincerely wished he was wearing more than just boxer briefs for this conversation as he now felt a bit embarrassed and exposed. Because they're important to me, he reiterated. And I thought, maybe, after five months, that I was important to you too. That's sweet, aunt, but I think I'll sit this one out, she brushed him off. Sorry, it's just, a parent meeting is exactly the kind of thing I told you I didn't want to get into at the start. Yes, but that was five months ago he repeated. And you're, I mean, you have your own toothbrush here, and clothes in my closet. Anthony, Karen sighed, leaning against the sink. You're a good kid. And someday you're going to make some lucky woman incredibly happy. I mean, shit, you're perfect. Seriously. Gorgeous and funny and talented and brilliant and you fuck like a lesbian, which, I mean, 
gotta love the attention, but I am not that woman. I've already done the marriage thing, and it clearly wasn't for me. I'm not a kid, Anthony tried to mask his hurt by sounding offended. And I'm not asking you to marry me, I'm asking you to meet my family. There's a natural progression to these things, kid, she told him, giving him a kiss on the cheek before ducking under his arm and out of the bathroom. Chapter 45 Ivy rolled her eyes as she watched Joe jump on the back of Jason's motorcycle outside her school. Ungrateful, little, f, heathen. She mumbled, leaning back as far as she could in her chair, staring at the light directly above her. Ivy hated that boy, that man. With a fiery passion, she hated him. While it was true she'd never officially met him, she spent enough time watching him, enough time watching them, that she felt like she had a pretty good handle on the kind of person he was. He had a chip on his shoulder, that was for sure. One many times the size of Joe's. So much so that nothing Joe said would ever equate, no tragedy she'd suffered, no injustice she'd been party to, he was the victim, and he used that to his advantage. Joe felt sorry for him, and when he told her things, revealed things about himself, said no one else knew, Joe would smile, pity in her. Expression, and Pam would have to tune the rest out, as that was usually how their more intimate moments began. Ivy was still staring up at the light when someone sat down next to her in a huff, sighing loudly as she did. How is it only Tuesday? Bumblebee asked. Ivy glanced at her, watching the younger woman as she stared out the window at the earth below them. Because yesterday was Monday, Ivy exhaled. Everything moves slower during the holidays, Bumblebee grumbled. Mmm, Ivy grunted in agreement. Pretty, isn't it? she asked, nodding downwards at the marvelous blue orb. Gorgeous, the woman corrected, but she's sort of a ten-footer. Ivy furrowed her brow, sitting up. I'm sorry? Looks good from up here, but when you get too close, sorta loses the appeal. Bumblebee explained. Ivy didn't answer, just smirked and continued to gaze downward, so it was Bumblebee who again broke the silence. Do you ever just, hate yourself? Ivy narrowed her eyes, thinking about that for a moment, trying to decide if she really wanted to get into a deeper conversation with a junior leaguer. Junior Justice? Justice Juniors? What was it? Something stupid, she knew that for certain. No, she answered, finally. But I do occasionally regret things. And what do you do about it? the woman asked. Ivy sighed. She regretted so much not telling Joe earlier, truly believing that if she had, Joe would have just taken it in stride or at least been able to adjust without needing to fill this void so suddenly. Regret is a pointless emotion. Ivy began. It's reflective in nature, and that's all it will ever be. It comes with guilt, and a mind crippled by guilt will only ever allow for horizontal growth, which really isn't growth at all, now is it? No, no it's not. Bumblebee agreed. Fix what you can and leave the rest behind. There's no point in dwelling on it. Ivy told her. In case you wanted advice from someone who continually fails to take it herself, there it is. She sat back in her chair. That's where I would like this conversation to end. Oh, I, Al. You're still talking. Harleen squealed when the black town car pulled up along the curb outside. They're here. I'll be right there she heard Pam call from the kitchen.
But Harley was impatient, so she hurried over to the front door, opening it to see Anthony dragging his suitcase up the front walk. Well if it isn't my favorite son, she grinned. Hey, Ma. He smiled, stepping up onto the porch so that she could pull him into a fierce hug, which she did immediately. I like your sweater. Harley separated so that she could give him another look at the embroidered, pour some gravy on me. I thought I'd treat myself, she shrugged happily. So where's your... Tony. Harley was cut off by the sound of Joe's voice echoing through the house behind her. They both waited, listening as Joe bounded down the stairs and sped through the living room, skidding to a stop in her socks in the doorway. Welcome home, she grinned. Your room is exactly how you left it, except for it's now where we store mom's vast dildo collection. Joe paused for a moment, rolling her head in the direction of the kitchen, an expectant look on her face. And, here we go, Harley sighed. I'm choosing not to engage. Pam's voice called back. Joe snorted, returning her attention to the task at hand. Anyway. She got on her tippy-toes to look over Anthony's shoulder. Is your girlfriend wearing an invisibility cloak? No, I, Anthony cleared his throat and straightened his jacket. It turns out I don't have a girlfriend as much as a woman I sleep with rather frequently who has no interest in committing to me in any measurable capacity. Which, includes spending Thanksgiving with my family. Harley's heart sank as he stared down at his shoes. Anthony. No, it's fine, really. He assured them. It's my fault. I, I misinterpreted some things. Doesn't really matter. Can I come inside? Oh, Harley and Joe glanced at each other, realizing they were blocking the doorway, and quickly stepped aside so he could drag his suitcase through. Smells good in here, he smiled once he'd set his bag by the stairs. Yes, well, your sister finally decided to take a shower, Pam appeared in front of him, wiping her hands on a towel before flinging it over her shoulder and moving in to give him a kiss on the cheek. How was your flight? Oh, it was fine, he told her, a noticeable degree of depression in his tone. A little turbulence, but I got a free first-class upgrade and the flight attendant's phone number, he pulled a napkin out of his pocket. So, it is what it is. Joe snatched it away from him. This says, Keith, dot. She pointed out. Anthony shrugged. I'm a physically fit, well-dressed man traveling home alone for Thanksgiving. I'd say his assumption was fair. Yeah, all right, well. Joe folded up the napkin and handed it back to him. If you decide to experiment, you're at the top. Don't let anybody tell you differently. He took one look at his sister before turning to his parents. I am so sorry I left you guys alone with her. Joe looked offended. How dare you? I have cancer. Well that doesn't seem to be stopping you from running around in that Batgirl suit, now does it? He posed the question with an arch in his brow. I'm honestly surprised you didn't demand to be called Batbitch. Batgirl is so, basic. Joe's jaw dropped open, and she turned swiftly to Harley. Ma. No. Harley and Pam said simultaneously. Absolutely not. Karen stood in the middle of the grocery aisle by the floral display, mumbling, this is so fucking stupid, to herself as she waited for an attendant. Excuse me, she flagged down a woman in a red vest. Hi. 
Yes, Mississippi. The woman smiled a little too broadly given the fact that she was working on Thanksgiving. How can I help you? I'm, um, I'm looking for a pot. Well, a potted plant, I should say. She amended. It's, I'm sorry, this is so stupid. See, my bee, my, ugh, she groaned. You can do it. My boyfriend likes flowers, but it depresses him when he has to throw them away, so, I need a potted one. One that won't, uh, die. Honestly, Karen, you're a doctor. Right. The woman was regarding her a bit strangely, well, all of our potted plants are over here, she led her approximately three feet to the right and pointed. I'm an idiot. Thank you, Karen said quickly, picking over the display. You're welcome, the woman smiled. Anything else? Yes, Karen patted her hair uncomfortably, trying to conceive of the best way to phrase this. What would you bring to a Thanksgiving you were invited to, but then you sort of ripped up the invitation and set it on fire, and then decided to come anyway because you're trying to relearn how to love yourself separate from some joint identity? And you'll also be meeting your sort of boyfriends, sort of students' family for the first time and their, for some reason, bizarrely aristocratic lesbians and their daughter is one of the most famous gymnasts in the world who was recently diagnosed with leukemia, she took a deep, necessary breath. What do you bring to that? Uh, cheese? Armed with, sigh, cheese, a wheel of brie, to be specific, Karen had her cab drop her off in front of what she hoped was the correct address. The house was large, but not gratuitously so. It had a sort of step-forward aesthetic with its bright white paint and well-manicured lawn, but it was still charming. Its gardens and slightly overgrown ivy plant climbing up to the second story gave it personality. It felt safe, and Karen took a more relaxed breath when she stepped up onto the porch. You're 32 years old with a PhD, there's absolutely no reason to be intimidated. She set the flowers down at her feet and knocked a confident three times before picking them up again, placing them on her hip and gripping the cheese tighter. There was no answer. Deflating, Karen began to panic slightly. What if this wasn't his house? What if she had the wrong address? What if they'd already left because they were having dinner somewhere else? Or, oh, maybe I should have rung the doorbell. She tried that, and sure enough, a few moments later footsteps could be heard moving closer to the door. And then, when the door opened, all the doubt Karen had about whether this was Anthony's house washed away as there was a pretty redhead now standing in the doorway. Okay, not pretty, this woman was straight up gorgeous, and she looked a whole hell of a lot like Anthony. An older sister, maybe? He hadn't told her about any other siblings beside Jolene, but younger siblings tended to be easier to discuss. This woman looked about Karen's age, a little younger maybe, and she wore thick-rimmed glasses that magnified her striking green eyes. So, at least she and Anthony differed in that regard. The eye color, not the glasses. He definitely had a pair of those. No, the woman said immediately. No, you'll have to find someone else. Karen's stomach turned. He must have told them. I'm sorry, I'm... The redhead laughed. Is that Diana's feeble attempt at bribery? Who? Karen asked, confused. She nodded towards the plant, an eyebrow raised. No, these are four. Look, I'm sorry that you had to come all the way down here, the woman did sound genuinely apologetic. 
but I'm sure you can find someone without a family to cover for today. I made it abundantly clear that I wasn't available. I don't, I'm not sure, what the hell is she talking about? Oh God, maybe this isn't the right house after all. But then Karen heard more footsteps approaching and a second female voice say, Babe, stop bullying the Mormons, before a blonde woman slid into view, looping her arm around the redhead's waist. This woman was older. Fifty, maybe. Fifty-five, with a broad, happy smile and sparkling blue eyes that quickly lit up with realization. Oh my god, she exclaimed. You came. Okay, so this was the right house, and both of these women looked awfully familiar, and not just because of their obvious resemblance to Anthony. The blonde was, um, she was Poison Ivy's psychiatrist. And the redhead was, oh, fuck. This is Karen, Dr. Quinzel was explaining to, was explaining to Poison Ivy. Anthony's friend. No, Ivy disagreed. This is Bumblebee, and Diana sent her to try to convince me to cover a shift today. N, no, Karen found her voice, although it was shaky. I'm B, I'm both. Her eyes fell to the arm Dr. Quinzel still had wrapped around Ivy's waist, and their relaxed body language and their matching wedding bands and, yeah, I didn't sign up for this. Karen started to slowly back away, and Ivy's reaction was to roll her eyes before a vine shot out of her wrist and yanked Karen inside, Dr. Quinzel quickly shutting the door behind them. Again, my sincerest apologies, darling, Ivy said as green pigment began to seep into her complexion. But I'm afraid we can't let you leave now. Karen's heart began to beat faster as she took off her glasses, and, yeah, that was Poison Ivy, all right. And of course she was Anthony's mom. Karen should have known better than to think a guy that perfect could be human. And, think of the devil. Karen? Anthony asked from the foot of the stairs. Although this was a slightly different Anthony than the one she'd grown accustomed to. For one, it was 2 p.m. and he was still wearing pajama pants, his hair was disheveled and his cotton t-shirt said, Feed me, Seymour. The Anthony she knew was fully dressed, with his breakfast in one hand and his coffee in the other by the time the sun was up, his hair styled and, for the life of her, she couldn't recall him ever having worn, or owned, even, a t-shirt with print on it. What are you doing here? I'm, Karen was having an exceedingly difficult time getting her words out in full, fluid sentences. I had a speech I was going to, I brought these flowers, and, you're a plant, aren't you? What? No, I'm not a, then he noticed Ivy down below him. Oh, goddammit, mom. What are you trying to do? We already know each other. Ivy exclaimed, sounding frustrated. She's my colleague. Wait, a third female voice said from the top of the stairs, drawing everyone's attention. You mean Anthony's screwing a superhero? That was Jolene. Karen recognized her from, well, lots of places, but mainly from that Gatorade ad YouTube wouldn't let her skip. Which one? Bumblebee, Ivy told her. The girl's brow furrowed in concentration for a moment before a wide smile stretched her lips and she disappeared from sight, yelling, this is too perfect, over her shoulder. Wait, what do you mean you're, but Anthony was cut off when something fell from the landing above them and he had to lunge to catch it. It was an action figure. Karen's bumblebee action figure. 
Jolene jumped down after it, somehow landing on her feet despite the fairly significant drop. All right, she laughed. So next time you guys want to make fun of me because Jason jacks off to mom, just remember that Anthony totally saved up all his allowance to collect his girlfriend. Chapter 46 Dr. Isley, Karen began, still feeling a bit shell-shocked. I've read your reports on your work creating humanoid plant specimens, but I was under the impression they had a radically shortened lifespan and limited mental functioning. However, I've observed nothing atypical about Anthony's presentation. Hey! Anthony piped up. Do you think you could refrain from discussing me like I belong in a petri dish? I'm not a humanoid plant specimen, I'm a plant-human hybrid, and I don't present as atypical because I'm not, aside from an increased metabolism and various other minor physiological abnormalities. Yeah, like this one. Joe grinned as she karate chopped him in the neck. Anthony sputtered for air, and in his fight, lost control of his pigment, turning his natural shade of pale mint green. Karen was watching the scene with a look of horror on her face, and Pam directed a plant to slither out of its pot behind them and smack Joe in the back of the head. Ouch! Joe exclaimed, what the hell was that for? Ignoring her, Harley moved on, bringing focus back to Karen's question. Anthony is mine and Pamela's biological child, same with Joe. There's nothing to be freaked out about, really, see, she nodded over at her son, who had returned to a more typical skin tone. But, okay, I hate to point out the obvious here, Karen rocked back in her chair. But, you're both women. Then she narrowed her eyes, realizing maybe that was too simple a categorization. You are both women, right? Pam sighed, like many flowering plants, my plant DNA is unisex. Harlene provided the X chromosome, I provided the Y. Although it's not quite as simple as that, it's as thorough an explanation as is required for these circumstances. You're a flowering plant? Was Karen's next question. Ivy rolled her eyes and ran a hand through her hair, causing a crown of white daisies to spring up in its wake. Silently, she plucked one off and handed it to Karen. I suppose I could attempt to pull a rabbit out of a hat next, if you'd like. No, I, I think I'm good, Karen mumbled as she stared down at the flower in her hands, absently twirling its stem between her fingers. Why are you married to your psychiatrist? Because I asked and she said yes, Pam answered like it was obvious. That's typically how these things work. So, you said you had a speech? Anthony prompted, getting the conversation back on track before they descended too far down that rabbit hole. What? Karen yanked herself back to the present moment. A speech, Anthony repeated. You said you had one. Oh, right, yes. Karen cleared her throat. Here goes nothing. I was going to say that I'm sorry, she nodded, decidedly. I'm sorry that I didn't take you seriously, but more importantly, I'm sorry that I didn't give myself a chance to take you seriously. She set the flower down. I definitely wasn't planning on telling you this in front of your parents, and definitely not in front of Poison Ivy, but it seems it's all a package deal now, so, look, she adjusted her sitting position. I met my husband my sophomore year of high school, and, that was supposed to be it, you know? I loved him from the first moment our eyes met. And maybe there's a part of me that still loves him now, but the point is I gave that relationship, I gave him everything I had and everything I am and I ended up alone because, 
at the end of the day, Mal had a difficult time dealing with my ambition. I was too busy or too distracted or too, I don't know, too similar to him, maybe, or too different, who knows. So that's, that's the lesson I learned from love. If you work too hard on yourself, or work too hard for yourself, there will be no room for anyone else. Anthony started to try and rescue her, but she cut him off. But then I met you, Anthony, and you were so, supportive, so patient, and I thought, this is the kind of husband an ambitious woman deserves, but I didn't think I could be that woman because happiness or complete fulfillment didn't apply to me, or at least I thought it didn't because I was afraid and hurt. I still am, actually. It's sort of ridiculous, really, when you think about it, I go into battle every day, powerless, aside from my suit, I fight aliens and mass murderers and psychopaths, but the shit that keeps me up at night is the reality that I might get my heart broken again. Karen took a shaky breath. So, I, I know you can't promise me you won't, just like I can't promise you I won't break yours or that everything will work out, but I think, I think maybe I want to try. Or, you know, I did, before, you know, she gestured to his family. Harley was crying at this point, Pam was looking mildly impressed and Joe's grin stretched from ear to ear. Well. Anthony began, lightly clearing his throat as he got up from the other side of the table to circle around to her. Firstly, let me just apologize for my appearance. I feel a bit silly dressed like this given the subject matter of this conversation. Um, apology accepted. Karen offered, her heart thrumming in her ears, for no apparent reason. Anthony smiled. As for the rest of it, how about you come to dinner, since you're already here, meet my extended family, and then decide whether or not my plant DNA disqualifies me. Fair? He held out his hand to help her up. Anthony. Carrie exclaimed, flying into his arms as soon as she flung the front door open. God. Anthony laughed, twirling her around. You're still so short. Yeah, I'm 22, asshat. She reminded him once her feet were back on the ground. Not exactly holding out for a late growth spurt. He narrowed his eyes on her. What's with the nose ring? I'm expressing myself. What's it to ya? Carrie moved on, Joe Blow, she grinned. Care Bear, Joe acknowledged with a nod. Dr. Q, the missus, Carrie happily greeted Harley and Pam. Anne. She cocked her head at Karen. One's these kids is doing its own thing. Sorry, Anthony stepped in. Carrie, this is Karen. Carrie is my cousin. Karen guessed. No, my lesbian bizarro. Anthony informed. I'm not, I'm not a lesbian, Carrie assured Karen as Anthony walked past her into the house, until she got a critical look from Pam and quickly corrected, I mean, I wish. I wish I was a lesbian. Joe laughed, pulling Karen inside with her, Harley following with a smile. Pam was last, and she leaned in as she passed her, whispering, I'd prefer not to be defined by my relationship, Caroline. How about we try, Pamela? Carrie swallowed. Why, yes, ma'am. Smirking, Pam patted her fondly on the head before continuing into the first room, navigating the tedious floor layout in hopes of eventually arriving at the kitchen. When she did, Selena was leaning over the oven, wearing an apron with what appeared to be Catwoman's body printed on it. 
Jesus, took you long enough, Selena said when she noticed her. Thought you guys were gonna flake for a second. Yes, well, we had an unexpected visitor. Pam told her. If Joe's pregnant. Pam scoffed, coming to sit down at the long kitchen island. Fortunately, her body treats foreign substances, such as sperm, as an invader, and combats it much like the typical human immune system would handle bacteria. That took a moment to sink in. So, just to recap. Selena began, your kid is pissed at you because she feels like you've kept her from living a normal life, and now you're telling me she can't have kids either? When are you gonna drop that bomb on her? Oh, no, she can have children, Pam assured. Just not by traditional means. She'll need a fertilized embryo to be implanted by someone familiar with her unique physiology. Selena raised an eyebrow. In other words, you? Yes, correct. Pam nodded. If there were a science award for best parent, I think I'd be the clear frontrunner. That's, you're psychotic, Selena realized. MMM, that's a three-syllable word for any thought too big for little minds, Pam smiled. Now, how inedible is your turkey? What do you care? You don't eat meat. Selena reminded her. Pam waited, her brow arched expectantly, watching Selena's concentration. Eventually, the brunette sighed, defeated. I know there's a gay joke in there somewhere. Just, imagine I made one, okay? Fine, Pam said. I'm offended. Now, are we ready to eat? I bought mashed potatoes and carrots and Karen brought, cheese. Selena rolled her eyes. Seriously, Pam? Her name is Carrie. She's your son's best friend. No, Karen is my son's girlfriend and the unexpected visitor that delayed our arrival. Pam informed her. Now get that shit out of the oven. Perhaps my daughter will choke on it and we'll all be better for it. Now it was Selena's turn to wait, and the apology erupted out of Pam within five seconds, I didn't mean that. I love Jolene with all my heart and I don't know what I'd do if. Please leave this kitchen before you get your sap all over me. Selena pointed to the door. Ooh. There's definitely a gay joke there, hold on. Harley will appreciate the pun, at least. Pam offered. So that's, Batman. Joe heard Karen whisper to Anthony. The former Batman, Anthony corrected. That ray of sunshine over there, his son. He nodded at Damien. Is the current Batman. Joe is Batgirl, they call Carrie, Oracle, she's the eye in the sky, basically has access to every camera in the city, that's my godmother, Barbara, he nodded over at Babs, former Batgirl and Batwoman, current Gotham City Chief of Police, and that's her husband, Dick, Karen's eyes followed his nod. Former Robin and Nightwing, now retired. And, uh, he scanned the table to see if he was missing anyone. That's Poison Ivy, but you already knew that, um, Mom is the retired Batwoman, now she works as the team psychiatrist. I'm sure you can understand the need for one of those in this line of work. And who's that? Karen asked, indicating Selena, who was nervously glancing at the turkey as Bruce carved it. Oh, that's Catwoman. Anthony chuckled. Or, Aunt Selena, as we know her. Karen seemed confused. The jewel thief? Well, 
her skills are a bit more diverse, but yes. Anthony acknowledged. Karen frowned, still not totally getting it. Why did the Bat family invite a thief to dinner, with the chief of police? Because she's married to Bruce, Anthony quickly explained. Okay, well, not legally married, but they've been together in one form or another for the past, shit, hey Selena, he raised his voice so that she could hear. How old were you when you met Bruce? Anthony Quinzel, where are your manners? Selena demanded. You never ask a woman's age. 21, Bruce answered for her. And the answer to the question you didn't ask that Selena's already outraged about is 65. Dot. Anthony did the math quickly, turning back to Karen. So 44 years. Karen's eyes were wide with disbelief, but Joe had to tune out the conversation when her phone buzzed in her pocket. Idiot, she mumbled as she typed a quick reply. Joe cut into her turkey with gusto when it finally arrived, pouring a healthy portion of gravy over top. See, the thing about an accelerated metabolism is that you have to eat like all the time, and Joe decided she was hungry enough to brave a big bite of Selena's turkey, which actually, wait a minute. You gotta be kidding me right meow. Joe exclaimed. This is totally edible. No, good, actually. Selena broke out into a beaming grin. Really? Yeah, really. Joe smiled back, swallowing her first bite. Damien silently nodded as he ate, but Joe thought she may have seen the corner of his lip curl up into a smirk for a moment when he caught sight of Selena's flushed features. This time, when Joe's phone vibrated, her leg was pressed up against the wood of the table, so everyone heard it. Pam rolled her eyes. Jolene, don't you think whoever that is can wait? It's Jason, Joe murmured distractedly as she replied to the message. If he so desperately needed to speak with you, he should have been here. Pam told her. Well, careful what you wish for, Joe said, getting up and heading for the entrance. She opened the door to find Jason, clearly unshowered and still wearing his greasy work uniform under his leather jacket. What the fuck, Jay? Joe hissed. I told you to dress up. You're not the boss of me, was his response, and she could smell liquor on his breath. Dude, are you fucking drunk right now? Joe closed the door behind her, pushing him further back on the porch. I told you this was important to me. No, he said, matter-of-factly, shoving her hand away from his chest. I'm not drunk, I had a drink, and I didn't dress up because I don't really care. Oh, you don't care? Joe laughed, mirthlessly. Perfect. Do you care about me? Like, at all? Because you sure as shit sounded like you did last night. It took him a moment before the memories started coming back, evidently, but when they did, he looked apologetic. Oh, yeah, sure I do, baby. He tried to wrap his arms around her waist, but she pushed them away, keeping him at arm's length. Don't even think about it, jackass. She warned. I made one request, and it was that you show up presentable to meet my family for the first time. You're better than this, she reminded him before opening the door once more. And this whole, me believing in you more than you believe in yourself bullshit is getting tiresome. I'm 16. It's ridiculous that you're asking me to be an adult here. I'm not asking you to. Yeah, that's right, your behavior requires it. She snapped. 
And now I sound like my mother, so congratulations. At least you have a mother. He mumbled, staring down at his shoes. Ugh. Fine. Joe rejoined. If I, or if this relationship means anything to you, actually, you know what? I'll raise the stakes. If you ever want to see me naked again, you're going to zip up your jacket, walk inside, and smile for my parents. Please. Jason rolled his eyes, complying with her request and zipping up his jacket. Maybe I have a mom after all. Joe chose to ignore that comment, leading him inside and back to the dining room. She smiled once the table was in sight. Guys. She got everyone's attention. This is my not-boyfriend for legal purposes, Jason. Jason. She waited for him to catch up before taking his hand in hers. This is my aunt, my uncle, my brother, his might-be girlfriend, my godmother, my godfather, my mama, Anne. Pam was studying Jason with a critical gaze. Is he inebriated? So she noticed. Great. This is getting off to a great start. I've got a good idea. How about we make it worse? And that's my older sister, um, Penelope. She indicated Pam. And her husband, Damien. Joe decided to punish him as well for the look of disgust on his face. They're extremely happily married. Like, can't get enough of each other. Have lots of sex because Penelope is attracted to men. Obviously. Just, love them. Their bodies and all their parts. Pam snatched her hand away from Harley's, which she'd clearly been holding below the table, looking thoroughly pissed off. She's also a dolphin trainer at SeaWorld, Joe added, just for good measure. Go ahead, Penelope. Tell Jason about the dolphins. If Jason thought there was something weird going on, he didn't let on, instead just pulled the empty chair away from the table and sat down, his eyes trained on Pam. After glaring at Joe for another moment, Pam slowly turned her attention to Jason, and calmly began, their penises are retractable and have incredible dexterity. Picture, I don't know, a monkey's tail. Harley was clearly biting the inside of her cheek to keep from laughing. Male dolphins have been known to wrap them around the legs of human women and drag them to the bottom of their enclosure where they then forcibly. All right. Anthony said, a nervousness to his tone. Enough about the dolphins, Penelope. Pam shrugged. Suit yourself. It's a truly fascinating subject. When Joe announced Jason would be leaving after dinner, news that seemed to surprise him, Selena's first reaction was to wonder if he was fit to operate a motor vehicle. She thought maybe she should call him a cab, but ultimately decided not to on the grounds that she didn't really care one way or the other. So she just waved goodbye when Joe walked him out. Pam was glowering in the corner, likely wishing she could get drunk, Harley was well on her way there, and Karen was sitting next to Selena, watching the scene with a slightly anxious curiosity. Anthony came up behind Pam and wrapped his arms around her shoulders, smiling as he said, Cool your jets, Miss Piss. We already have our designated grumpy goose for the day. Slowly, a begrudging smile crept onto Pam's lips. You used to have the best grumpy face. She told him. The best. Harley seconded. A pouty lip in my own image. Anthony laughed, walking a few big steps backwards and taking Pam with him, 
pulling her in from the outskirts of the conversation. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, Selena murmured. John 1 5? Karen asked. Emicham. Selena nodded. That's Ivy, I think, if you're sitting here trying to figure them out. She told her. She's so angry and powerful, and there is a sickness in her, that's for sure. A twistedness. But, as soon as a light is introduced, whether it be Harley or Anthony or even Joe holding it, it will always shine through. And what about Anthony? Karen wondered. What's his darkness? Mmm. Selena collected her thoughts on the subject. I think, he just wants to be a good man. For her. They watched him pull Pam down onto the couch next to Harley. And for them. Selena smiled. And for you, and for me, and for Joe, there's a lot of pressure on him, the first man that Poison Ivy ever loved, it's a big responsibility. She glanced over at Karen. I don't know anything about your relationship, but the fact that you asked me leads me to believe there's some doubt. So? Karen prompted. What's the verdict? Selena shrugged. I don't see the woman, whomever she may be, who ultimately chooses him regretting it. So, if that happens to be Karen Beecher, then lucky you. All right, maybe you should slow down a bit on the wine, Pam suggested. Or, you know, stop altogether. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to suggest, she leaned over to take the glass from Harley's hand and set it on the coaster. The blonde made a weak protest, but was spread out in such a fashion over Pam's lap that she didn't exactly have the best leverage. So, ultimately, she forfeited, watching as her wife took it away. I'm just trying to get drunk enough for the both of us, Harley defended herself. Cause Joe's so mean. So mean to you, Pammy love. Pam bit her lip at the new nickname, hoping she wasn't blushing. And it, it makes me so sad, you know? Cause she's our baby and stuff and she's got the best cheek that I just wanna squish. And it makes me so mad because I know that guy. That's exactly the sort of guy that I'd be shaken up with. The redhead laughed. Oh. Yeah. Harley doubled down. Remember when she was a baby? She was such a happy baby. No she wasn't, Pam laughed again, setting the record straight. She was an awful baby. She cried all night, every night. You just weren't there. This fact deeply saddened Harley. I was just too busy being awesome, I guess. Her Gotham accent was back in full force. Yes, that's why. Pam pressed a kiss to her temple. Stop it, Harley giggled, pushing her face away. You don't want to kiss me. Pam raised an eyebrow, amused. And why's that? Harley's cheeks were bright red. Cuz, you're like, really sexy and stuff. Sexy like a sex machine. She hid her face in her hands. Why would you want to kiss an old lady? Mmm, because there's this one old lady who I happen to really like, Pam smiled, placing a kiss on the fingers that covered her wife's forehead. Who? Harley asked, her words coming out muffled. Pam bit down on her finger to stop herself from laughing again. Well, she's sitting on my lap. Harley ripped her hands away, affronted, her eyes furiously scanning the couch before they found her own legs. Oh, 
her smile was sheepish. It's me, huh? Oh my god. Selena sat up in her armchair. How drunk are you? Seriously. Oof, Harley snuggled her face into the crook of Pam's neck. Super waster to the max hay, she suddenly looked over at Selena. You guys think I could pull off a late-life crisis? It's sorta like a midlife crisis but age-appropriate for ladies like us. Except for Pammy, she doesn't get to join our knitting club, Kitty. Ugh, Selena observed her with something between disgust and amusement. Is that what I used to sound like? No, Pam assured her. You were infinitely more unpleasant. At least this is relatively endearing. Bitch, I am hella endearing. Harley caviled. So, anyway. She immediately calmed down. I was thinking, maybe I'd dye my hair. Please don't, Pam and Selena said in unison. Nah, come on. Half and half. It'll look funky and cool, Harley told them. Funky and cool haven't been synonyms since 1979, Selena informed her. Pfft, whatever, Kitty, Harley snorted, waving her off. You're just a party pooper, is all. Love is supporting her choices, she said. And Pammy loves me, really. Are you the her in this scenario? Pam wondered. How about I just dye the tips? Harley pleaded. Red, white and blue. For America. Both Selena and Pam were laughing at this point. That's a terrible idea, the brunette told her. Really? Harley seemed legitimately surprised. I think it'll be really classy. The hate game here is strong. Joe sat in the hallway, behind a suit of armor, watching Harley drunkenly ramble on about things there was no way she'd remember saying the next day. Stupid. She mumbled, an odd mixture of guilt and jealousy thrashing around in the pit of her stomach. Just a suggestion. Joe jumped at the sound of Damien's voice, hitting her head on the metal above her. Don't make decisions solely to piss off your parents, he continued on like nothing had happened, handing her a slice of pumpkin pie. Oh, and don't bring that asshole into my house again. Chapter 47 Well, I don't really care, Joe said as she stomped up the stairs, Pam hot on her trail. It's not up to you anymore. I'm 18, I've got a job, my life, my choice. Well it's a stupid fucking choice. Pam yelled, following her into her bedroom, which was partly packed up in boxes. I don't care. Joe whipped around. I don't have to care about your opinions anymore. I'm sorry you don't like him, but you screaming at me right now isn't going to change my mind. You don't even like him. Pam forcefully reminded her. It's one thing to want to attend a community college rather than a university, there, that was a choice that I respected, you laid out your reasoning with intelligence, and I understand, your life goals are different than mine or your mother's were, or Anthony's are. But don't try to act like this decision has anything to do with you and Jason. Who the fuck else would it have to do with? Joe demanded. I'm moving in with him, mom. No, you're moving away from me and into a situation that I have made very clear I disapprove of, Pam corrected. And why? Why is it you despise me so thoroughly? What could I have done differently? Because it feels to me like I checked all the fucking boxes. I encouraged you to set goals, we loved you every day, 
reaffirmed your intelligence, taught you to be a capable young woman, allowed you to be an individual, allowed you to push back and be angry. With us when you needed to, gave you space when you asked for it, pulled you close when you required comforting. There are few children who have been given more opportunities in this life than you, Jolene, and yet, every olive branch I offer you spit and stomp on. Ugh. Don't you get it? This is exactly why. Joe screamed, quickly approaching hysterics. You don't fucking listen. It's not about me, it's about you, it's always about you, and so when I set a goal that I told you over and over again I wanted to achieve, you didn't care. You didn't care because it didn't have anything to do with you. Instead, you fucking gaslight me for ten goddamn years and then nullified all my victories and accomplishments in one fell swoop. Just, ripped the fucking floor out from under me, she grabbed one of her trophies off of her desk and snapped it in two over her knee. Meaningless, all of it. But, hey, at least my cancer's in remission now, right? She tossed the broken plastic into her garbage bin in the corner. Pamela. Harley's voice was calm from the open doorway. Let her go. I'm not going to, no. I'm not going to let her go. Pam couldn't believe her wife was siding with their daughter on this. This is a mistake, anyone can see that. Anyone whose head isn't shoved up their ass, that is. Why would I just willingly let her make a mistake? Harley shrugged, moving into the room and beginning to pack Joe's clothes away into one of the empty boxes because she's going to do it anyway. And maybe this way, when she realizes what a colossal, asinine mistake she's made, maybe she'll come back to us. She shoved the box into Joe's arms. I'm trying my best not to burn bridges. Joe snatched the box and started back down the stairs, leaving Pam and Harley alone. Harlene, Pam's tone was pleading. We can't, please, this isn't right. Harley sighed moving forward to brush Pam's hair out of her face. Babe, unless you want to lock her in the basement, we're sort of out of options. She's right, she's 18, really not much we can do. Why are you so fine with this? Pam wanted to know. Oh, is that what it looks like? Harley asked. Yeah, no, I'm not fine. Like, not even a little bit. I'd like nothing more than just to go around smashing shit with a hammer right now, but it is what it is, and my mistakes led me to you, so, maybe she'll get lucky. Pam buried her face in her hands, pressing her palms into her eye sockets. Our daughter is an idiot, she mumbled. Lord, Harley flopped down on the bed. You can say that again. Anthony looked up from his computer when a box was dropped in front of him. Happy anniversary, Karen said sitting down across from him at the table. Anthony raised a suspicious eyebrow, B, our anniversary was two months ago and you forgot it. Fine, happy belated anniversary, Karen corrected, grinning. Now will you open it, please? Anthony could see that she was excited, giddy, even, which wasn't exactly typical, so he studied the box carefully. Rectangular in shape, the box was white with a red ribbon tied around it. You mean this? He teased. This is what you want me to open? Is it, my finished thesis? He asked, pulling the ribbon off. Because that would be ideal. Karen giggled. No. Why are you recording me? He laughed. For your mom, she asked me to, she explained. Which one? Ivy for Harley, 
it doesn't matter. Just open the damn box. Karen had crossed into anxiety by this point. All right, all right, damn, he snickered, pulling the lid off the box, and then his smile immediately melted away. Karen. Yeah, she giggled, the camera shaking a bit in her hand. Are you, are you serious right now? He asked, tears gathering in his eyes as he pulled the positive pregnancy test out of the box. Why would I joke about this, she laughed. That would be pretty cruel, wouldn't it? Well yeah, but, he wiped his tears away. I just, I didn't know that I could, even. Ivy's been helping me, Karen admitted. She came up with a fertility medication because I figured, if I'm not going to marry you, we may as well get the rest of our lives on track. You, a baby, his language skills devolved as he stared down at the plus sign on the display. No, I'm not a baby, she laughed. We're having a baby. But, but Doom Patrol, he reminded her with a stutter. They need you. They need, you can't be a pregnant superhero. What about your career? What about, are you sure this is what you want? Hey, superheroes get maternity leave too, Karen chided. And yes, I'm sure. Ha, huh, I can't believe this is really happening, he ran a hand through his hair, looking up at the ceiling. And, mom, he turned to the camera. You asshole, you were in on it? Hey, but Harley wasn't, so no cussing on the video, Karen scolded. The only person with a dirtier mouth than Ma is Joe, Anthony laughed, getting up from the table and wrapping Karen up in his arms. I really don't think she'll mind. Fair enough, Karen grinned as she shut the camera off, setting her phone down on the table so that she could hug him back. I'm excited, she whispered. Anthony's smile was euphoric as he turned his head to kiss her on the cheek. I love you. This your mom's or your sister's? Jason asked, kicking the wheel of the car as Joe pulled into the parking structure. It's mine, she said, getting out and slamming the driver's door behind her. A graduation present from my uncle. Something you would have known if you'd bothered to come. That was like four months ago, Jason reminded her. You need to quit beating that dead horse. I told you something came up. Something always comes up, Joe ridiculed, yanking the back door open and grabbing the first of maybe six boxes from inside. Jason proceeded with caution. Are you, uh, are you on your, you know? Dude, Joe wasn't sure whether to laugh or scream. Are you 25 years old and incapable of uttering the word, period? Well I was gonna say, on the rag, but I figured that might be insensitive, so, you're welcome, he told her. Yes, thank you, oh gracious Master Jason, she bowed in front of him. Such sensitivity you exhibit. Jason rolled his eyes, all right, Yoda. Do you want any help? Um, yeah, now she was laughing, but not exactly thanks to a humorous situation, it sounded much more panicked than someone who was actually enjoying themselves. I assumed that was implied. It took 30 minutes for them to get everything inside, mostly because the walk from the parking structure to Jason's apartment building, to their apartment building wasn't exactly brief. Actually, it was about four blocks. Joe had never bothered to ask what the deal was as she usually took the bus over or got a ride on Jason's motorcycle, and he was able to park that out front. And just for the record, 
Jolene started their previous conversation up again as she set down the last box on the table. Women can be in a bad mood for reasons besides menstruating. So what is all this stuff? Jason asked, ignoring her and plopping down on the couch, pulling a box over and slicing open the lid with a knife he had in his pocket. I don't know, my stuff, Joe leaned against the counter. Clothes and, stuff. Hashtag so eloquent. Did you clear out some drawers for me? Yeah, too. He nodded towards the bedroom as he picked through a box filled entirely with gym clothes. You sure do work out a lot. Yes, Joe acknowledged. And you're grateful for that. And I'm grateful for that, he repeated with a snicker, moving on to the next box. What's this? he asked, lifting one of her gymnastics medals out and holding it up for her to identify. This whole box is full of them. Joe turned to the sink to pour herself a glass of water, saying, just some shit I used to be a lot prouder of. He was silent behind her, but she could hear the sound of the metal and plastic clinking together. You won all these? That I did, Joe exhaled before gulping down her water in its entirety, and making a mental note to buy a filter. She turned around to find Jason standing near the wall, the box at his feet. Under the sink there's a toolbox, grab me the hammer, will ya? Joe complied, bending over to open the cabinet and digging through the toolbox a moment, tossing aside various screwdrivers, a wrench or two and a crowbar, before finally locating the hammer and walking it over to him. Why? Because I'm gonna hang these up, he answered like it was obvious. Why? Joe repeated, nonplussed. Jason shrugged. Well I've never won anything, figured we should have something to brag about around here. Harlene grinned giddily down at her pasta, well aware that she likely looked ridiculous, but too excited to control herself. You're scaring the pasta, darling, Pam intoned from across the table. Yeah, but, Pam, she looked to where her wife was picking at her salad with notable melancholy. But hey, Pam. Hey, but, Pam. The redhead slowly raised her gaze, likely realizing Harley wouldn't stop until she was acknowledged. Yes? Two words, interracial. Grandbaby. Harley spelled it out for her. I mean, it's basically gay Christmas. That comment seemed to confuse Pam. Do gays celebrate a different? I think it'll be a boy, Harley decided. And he will be very cute and round. Pam's frown deepened. Why do you think it'll be a boy? Because girls are terrible and I hate them, Harley answered quickly. But then again, I did an awesome job raising you, so. Knock it off. My little Penelope, Harley cooed, leaning across the table to squeeze Pam's cheek. All grown up. Stop it, Pam smacked her hand away. It's not funny. It's a little funny, Harley tried to stifle a giggle as the waiter returned. Good evening, ladies, he smiled. How is the night treating you? Oh, just fantastic, Harley answered before Pam had a chance to shoo him away. My daughter here is in town for a forensic pathologist's conference and kindly invited me, her mother, out for a quick bite to eat. Speaking of which, young man, would you kindly bring us a dessert menu? Penelope here has a terrible sweet tooth, but when in Rome, right? Or, when in Gotham, I suppose. Forensic pathologist, huh, 
the waiter crossed his arms, smirking, and, yeah, Harley no longer existed. Aren't you a little too pretty to be smart? I mean, that's just unfair. MMM. Pam winced, shaking her head. I hate that line. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant no disrespect, he chuckled, before his brow furrowed when he noticed Pam clenching and unclenching her fist. What's wrong with your hand? They're just sore, Pam's smile was cloyingly sweet. See, when a corpse comes into the morgue, typically the second step in an autopsy after performing the Y incision is to crack the ribs so that I can access the chest cavity. The instrument I use is not unlike a pair of bolt cutters, or, say, gardening shears. And having to break each rib individually can be rather trying on my poor, delicate, feminine ligaments. Afterwards, of course, comes organ removal, each being extracted with surgical precision and then weighed in divid. I'm sorry, ma'am, the waiter interrupted, suddenly turning to Harley. I'll grab you that menu. Harley smiled after him as he scampered away from their table. I think you might a scared him off. You don't say, Pam mocked. And will you please stop introducing me as your daughter? It's not a fun game. Sure it is, Harley laughed. That poor boy, how old do you think he is? Anthony's age? This isn't helping make the situation any less creepy. Goddamn, you're an ugly motherfucker, aren't cha? Joe laughed at the, seriously, what the hell is that? She had to duck when the animal took a swipe at her. An ugly motherfucker with claws, copy that. Uh, hey, guys? She clicked on her communication device as she, again, dodged one of the animal's paws, sprinting away and clearing the fence into the park, hoping it would follow. And yeah, it definitely did. Guys? Carrie? She could feel the ground shake behind her with each of its steps, and it was quickly closing in, the stench of its breath somehow reaching her nostrils even at the speed she was moving. Turning quickly, Joe whipped a batarang at it, and the animal yowled as the weapon sliced a gash in its shoulder. Yeah, Batgirl, you're coming through loud and clear, Joe heard Carrie's voice in her ear. What's up? I'm heading into Robinson Park with a, shit, I don't even know what. A fucking hyena in pursuit. Joe said, sliding under a log into the creek basin and starting up the opposite bank. He's fast and big and I just thoroughly pissed him off. I'll send Damien your coordinates. No need, I've already got them, Damien's voice sounded unduly calm. Then why aren't you, ah? Joe yelped at the feeling of sharp claws digging into her calf muscle. He got in deep enough to stop all of her forward momentum, and before she knew it, she was on the ground, her face in the mud. Twisting, she slammed her heel down on his paw, forcing him to retract his claws and giving her enough time to throw another battering. The position was awkward, but even sidearm, she was able to get enough velocity on it that it broke the animal's skin, sinking into the center of its chest. It yelled again, and Joe rolled away as it swiped wildly at her. By the time she was on her feet, the monster was on the ground, Damien standing over it, wrenching its arms behind its back and pressing the animal harder into the ground with his heel, forcing the battering further into its chest. Spitting the mud out of her teeth, Joe plucked the rope off of Damien's utility belt and used it to bind the animal's wrists, as she didn't trust normal handcuffs could hold it. As soon as Joe was done with that, 
she shot up and punched Damien in the chin, being that it was the only patch of bare skin she could find. What the fuck, dude? Really took your sweet ass time getting over here. Oh, I'm sorry, was I late? Damien asked, his tone pointed as he subtly adjusted his jaw. Sounds familiar. W, are you serious? Joe couldn't believe it. Dude, I was ten minutes late tonight and I fucking apologized. So you decided to punish me by letting me get chased down by whatever he fuck that abomination is? What kind of a psychotic, anal retentive motherfucker? Woof. Damien intoned. I, I'm sorry. That's its name, he explained. He was a criminal whose DNA was spliced with that of a hyena. That's, I think that's maybe the worst name I've ever heard, she realized, glancing at the animal below their feet. Yes, well, the procedure seems to have significantly blunted his intelligence, Damien informed her, grabbing the rope and yanking the animal up to its feet. Okay, well, we'll get back to you later, she smacked Wolf in the back of the head, following as Damien dragged it down the bank and through the stream. You let your petty frustrations endanger my life, Batman. That's not teamwork. In fact, it confirms my suspicions that you make a piss-poor team leader. You're a selfish prick, you know that? If you can't take down a villain named, Woof, by yourself then you don't deserve to wear that symbol, Batgirl. Damien told her. And clearly you're fine. So how about you demonstrate a little self-esteem and quit letting brutish imbeciles of inferior intelligence walk all over you? You know, I'm beginning to think this isn't about Woof at all, or about me being late. Joe realized. This is about why I was late, isn't it? What you do on your own time is. Oh, shut up. You just told me I'm not an idiot, Joe reminded him. So quit treating me like one. I'm fine. I can take care of myself. But, hey, maybe you and Ivy should get married. You'd have a lot to talk about. I'm sorry, did you not just punch me in the face for not helping you when you asked for it? Damien feigned confusion. When I ask for it is the key phrase there, Batman. Don't overstep. Chapter 48 Jason sighed, pulling his phone out of his pocket to check the time, again. He could still make it over to the gym to pick Joe up from work in time to catch the movie, he just wouldn't have time to take a shower or change. Or Joe could drive herself over to the theater and he could go home to take a shower instead, then meet her. I'll ask her, he thought, opening up a blank text message before reconsidering. No, just tell her. He was beginning his message confirming he'd be there to pick her up when the door opened behind him and Paris Franz strode in. Jason, my man. And what Jason wouldn't have given to punch that slimy smile off his face. Franz, he nodded with all the false respect he could muster. I'm a very busy man, Mr. Todd. You should know that, he sat back on his desk, grabbing his stress ball and squeezing it in the palm of his hand. So what can I do for you? Whatever it is, I hope it will be worth my while. I need a job, Jason said quickly, trying to be mindful of the time. I can go back to bouncing, that's fine, I just need to supplement my income a bit. Paris raised an eyebrow. Found yourself a nasty habit? He chuckled. What is it? Are you into that new synthetic shit? No, it's nothing like that, 
Jason straightened his jacket. I've just got a girl living with me now and my place is a dump. I'm looking for an upgrade. On the girl or the place? Paris laughed. I guess a little extra income could get you both. Nah, I think we're at like maximum upgrade there. You know that girl you always see Damien Wayne with on the gossip rags? Mmm. Paris narrowed his eyes, thinking. Ginger? Strawberry blonde. Yeah, that's my girl. Paris laughed. I'm gonna be honest with you here, man, that's fucking whack. She must be seriously fucked in the head. But, hey, you know what they say about the crazy ones. Yeah, I need a job, Franz. That's why I'm here. Jason snapped. You got something for me or what? Okay, okay, struck a nerve there, Paris chuckled, putting his hands up to keep Jason at arm's length should he choose to punch him. Yeah, you can bounce, but we've adopted some new policies since you left. Like. Jason prompted. Paris circled around his desk, typing a code that opened the safe in the wall behind it. Like these, he said, tossing Jason what looked like a credit card sleeve. Your quota is $2,500 a week. Athletes, high school and collegiate, are your main targets, but if you're going to sell them at the club, do it out back. The goal is to keep this looking like a legitimate business. What are they? Jason asked, emptying the contents of the small package into his palm. Nicotine patches? We call them slappers, Paris told him, sitting back in his chair. They'll help you feel like a man again. What's that supposed to mean? Well. Paris put his feet up on the desk and leaned back, six years ago you came in here and told Cobblepot you were done with this whole scene. Gave some honest man, speech, thanked us for our time, walked out, and yet, here you are, back in this office. There was something cruel in his smile. She must be incredible in the sack. Do people even say that anymore? Your point? You seem a little whipped, my friend, that's all, he shrugged. Might do you some good to assert some dominance. God, he's such a fucking prick. Thanks for the relationship advice, Cosmo, Jason gritted, standing up. Just give me something to sign and I'll start tomorrow. Joe was standing in the lobby of the gym discussing something of seemingly great importance when Jason pulled up. She didn't hear him, and he didn't have a horn to honk, so he sighed, shutting off the bike and setting his helmet down before heading inside. Heat, ice, shoulder rotations, Joe was saying to a girl Jason guessed was about 12. Whatever you have to do to come in fresh tomorrow, make it happen. Practice makes perfect and you're far from perfect on the bars. It's because my wrist still hurts, the girl defended herself. That cast came off three months ago and I've been working with you in every sense, Joe told her, her tone stern. You're afraid your wrist will hurt, or you're afraid you'll get hurt again, look, I get it, it's a totally rational fear, but visualizing that stuff, obsessing over it, that's just going to increase the likelihood it happens again. You want to get back in rotation, right? Well, yeah, the girl mumbled, staring down at her sneakers. All right, good, Joe smiled. We want to get you back in there too, but we can't move forward until you have. Hey, Jason stepped in, haste in his tone, as that conversation seemed somewhat finished. Joe nearly jumped out of her skin, but placed her hand over her heart when she saw it was him.
Jesus Christ, Jay, she laughed. You scared the crap out of me. She gave him a kiss on the cheek and the girl began to giggle. Coach, is that your boyfriend? Darn it, you've picked up on our incredibly subtle clues, Joe teased. I'll see you bright and early tomorrow for bar warm-ups. Yeah, 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 the girl grinned, waving her off. Coach's got a boyfriend, Coach's got a boyfriend. Yes, it's quite the scandal, Joe acknowledged as the girl stole one more look at Jason before snickering and walking out the front door. She's cute, Joe smiled, turning to him. And 12, so if you're looking to trade me in for a younger model. Jason sighed. Shoulda seen that one coming. Here, Joe handed him the duffel bag that was slung over her shoulder. There's a change of clothes in there for you, figured you might be late so I thought I'd cover all our bases. What is it? he asked, cautiously eyeing the bag as he took it from her. Jeans and a t-shirt. When have you ever worn anything else? Now hurry up and change, she shooed him towards the restrooms. The previews are my favorite part. Jason had been working for Franz a week when he first saw someone actually use a slapper. He was a big guy naturally, one of the other bouncers on Jason's shift. The guy was tired, he'd been working since the sun went down and it was nearly sunup at this point. So he reached into his pocket and pulled out his stash, the product he was supposed to sell, and slapped one of those patches onto his arm. Hey, man, Jason got his attention, if you want to piss Franz off, don't do it around me. Getting shot in an alley isn't how I'm planning to go out. How am I supposed to recommend the product to my customers if I can't vouch for it myself, the bouncer asked, wincing slightly as the veins in his forearm below the patch pulsed. In another two weeks, Jason tried one himself. Franz had asked him to take a guy out back, and Jason just happened to know this guy had ties to a whorehouse down in central Gotham, one that specialized in traffic miners. Jason wasn't super into that. And, for the record, he didn't exactly know Joe was 15 when they first hooked up. She seemed older, looked older, he just assumed she was a senior. Sure, he probably should have shut it down when he got the full picture, but he liked her, and she acted relatively mature, so, fuck it, I don't have to explain myself, she's 18 now anyway. Get off my ass. Anyway, Jason had seen how people changed when they had a slapper on. They got stronger, faster, angrier, sometimes, not that Jason needed any help with that, but the truth was, he was tired too. Working from 8 until 5 every day, and then going back to work at night was killing him. But it would all be worth it, eventually. He could just picture Joe's stupid, happy, impressed expression on the day that Jason would hand her the keys to their new house. Yeah, that's right, a fucking house. And then her sister would stop calling every two seconds or shitting on him every time they were forced to be in the same room. God, he hated that bitch, she and her stupid, rich prick of a husband. Why Joe was pictured with Damien more than his wife was, Jason had no idea, he guessed dolphin training was a time-consuming profession. So Jason yanked the guy outside, throwing him onto the ground before reaching into his pocket. With a deep breath that he tried to keep as subtle as possible, he dipped into his supply. It hurt, a bit, at the application site. The skin tingled and burned while his veins pulsed, drinking in whatever sort of poison was in that shit. 
Jason had kicked somebody's teeth in before, but he'd never literally curb stomped a guy, that was a new and interesting experience. But Franz tipped him for the extra damage, so everything ended up working out alright. That morning, after his shift, he somehow still had energy. In fact, he might have even classified his mood as, good, so he dropped by the store on his way home and picked up a box of chocolates for Joe that he had to force himself not to eat while he waited for her to get back from her morning coaching session. Fuck, I am starving, she said as she opened the front door. I know I have to go shopping, but do we have, like, any food? Any at all, she tossed her keys onto the counter and her bag onto the couch. Did I mention I hate adulting? Yeah, once or twice, maybe, he held up the chocolates for her. Wah, are you shitting me right now, she asked, taking the box from his hand. Please don't tell me I'm going to open this and just find a bunch of wrappers. She shook it, and her face lit up with a happy grin. Heart chocolates at 7am? What did I do to deserve you, my prince? He shrugged casually, I don't know, but, I know how you can repay me. He pulled her down onto his lap. Fine, fine, she nodded, leaning down to kiss him. But can I eat the chocolates first? Or during, if I have to? Can you just give me like 10 minutes? Jason asked. So, what you're saying is I get chocolate instead of an orgasm? She looked disappointed. If you shut up and let me get started, you can have both. Hooray. Joe cheered. Joe was funny. And not just, funny haha, like, funny in the head, maybe. That's something Jason learned about her after she moved in. She was chaotic, but that fact seemed to stress her out. She didn't like doing the dishes or cleaning the house, but when it wasn't done, it made her uncomfortable. She'd glance at the mess and tap her foot nervously until she finally caved, but then she would still manage to half-ass it. This is the type of shit Jason had never cared to notice before, but his diet of one slapper per day was helping him see more. Funny what a little extra energy can do for you. Joe texted with her brother a lot, he and his girlfriend were having a baby, evidently, and he sent a lot of pictures. Ultrasound photos, pictures of the crib or the clothes he was buying, or his girlfriend's growing stomach, Joe loved those. She showed everyone to Jason with a beaming smile on her face. Honestly, he could really care less, but he tried his best to humor her because when he didn't, she got pissed. It wasn't that Joe was an unhappy or an angry person by default, no, her typical setting was happy. Sarcastic and bitter, sure, but she didn't seem to hate herself or hate her life, and she certainly didn't seem to hate Jason, which was always a relief for him. No, Joe just had thin skin. She could go zero to sixty in a millisecond and could hold a grudge like nobody's business. They were similar in that way. Jason wasn't as quick to anger, but he could hold on to it longer. Hold it over her head if he needed to. Joe also made a point to talk to her mom at least twice a week. Sometimes in person, sometimes on the phone, the only member of her family that she didn't seem to talk to regularly was her sister, who, at the beginning, tried to get in touch with her more than the rest of them combined, and that always managed to throw off Joe's mood. Recently, though, the calls have been coming less frequently. Which was better, Jason decided. Better for him and better for Joe. She'd come home with a plant pretty soon after moving in. He didn't know what kind, but it had red flowers and it sat by their bed when she slept. 
She always put it in the closet when they had sex, and when her sister would call, she'd pluck a petal off of it and crinkle it in her fingers, studying her hands as she did. Yeah, Joe was funny, and a total bitch, but she typically ended up on his side, so what did he care about? Not like he was any better. Well, he was slightly better on slappers, that was for sure. Maybe even a decent boyfriend, actually. He sort of, liked coming home at the end of the day knowing there would be someone there who cared about him, despite what her family thought, she loved him enough to choose him, sometimes over them, and yeah, he didn't want to get all sappy about it, but he liked this. He liked their life, he liked himself. Well, this version of himself, anyway. The problem Jason was running into was that, like with anything else, his body seemed to be building up an immunity to what he was taking, so after a month, he was forced to up his slapper consumption to two a day, and then eventually to three at the same time. He was tired otherwise, lethargic, and worst of all, he couldn't get, um, excited. Not without a slapper, and then not without two, and not without three, or four. And the rage he felt because of it was something he didn't know how to bottle up inside. He was twenty-five years old. This shouldn't be a problem. Besides that, he was going into his stash so often now that he was going to come up short of this month's quota. His fuse was short, his anger intense, and though he did his best to hide it from Joe, it was becoming impossible. Every sound, every color, every word, he couldn't stand any of it. It was like everyone and everything had an ice pick that they were using to burrow through his ear, into his head, and they were hammering from the inside now. All day and all night. That morning, he needed five just to get out of bed. Hey! Joe greeted when she heard the front door slam shut. She was on her knees, her head buried under the sink, but she felt pretty confident it was Jason, and if not, she could probably kick their ass. Besides, they didn't have anything cool to steal, so she wasn't sure why anyone would bother trying to rob them. This sink won't drain. Do we have any Drano or anything? No, yeah, that was Jason, and he didn't sound super happy. Great. What else is new? Okay, Joe said, knocking on the pipe with the crowbar from the toolbox, trying her best to determine where it was clogging. You think you could go out and get some before you head to work? I was gonna take a nap. Don't just fucking bang on it, you idiot, Jason snarled. Well I'm sorry I'm not a licensed plumber, asshole, Joe laughed, backing herself out and standing up, getting her first look at him since this morning. He seemed awfully, jittery, clenching and unclenching his fist, his jaw tight, his pupils dilated. Are you alright? she asked, somewhere between cautious and critical. You look fucking insane right now. He moved suddenly, digging his fingers into her hips and shoving her against the sink, then moving in to kiss and bite her neck. Dude, what are you doing, she laughed, attempting to push him away. Look, man, if you wanted to try again, that's, ow. What are you, a fucking vampire? He grabbed her hands, forcing them down to her sides before pressing his body against hers and trying to plunge his hand down her jeans. Jay, knock it off, she slapped him across the face. Geez, I mean, I'm down for a lot of shit, but buy a girl a drink first. His response was to grab her by the shoulders and slam her onto the ground, knocking the wind out of her. She'd never known him to be this strong, or this rough, or not to take a very clear N.O. for an answer. 
His breathing was labored and shallow, sweat had accumulated on his brow, and yeah, he did look insane, like a guy that belonged in a straitjacket up at Arkham Asylum. Jay. Jay, stop. Joe was starting to panic at this point. It was like he couldn't even hear her, and despite her training and her athleticism, she couldn't get out of the hold he had her in either. He grabbed her hands and yanked her arms above her head, pinning them to the ground so that he could rip the neck of her tank top down and expose her bra. Anxious tears were gathering in Joe's eyes as she attempted to free herself by thrashing her lower body. She couldn't even see him anymore. He wasn't even there. His gaze was crazed and blank and she had no idea what was going on, but this was by far the most frightening experience of her life, even after three years of being Batgirl. Get off of me, she screamed. Jason took one of his hands away from her arms to unbutton his pants, and despite his, currently, superior strength, her adrenaline helped her to wrench one of her arms free. Her hand closed around the only object she could reach, and she yanked him on the head with it. It was cold and metal and he grunted in pain when it made contact, so she swung again, connecting with his skull once more. The second blow sent him into a daze, and in a moment, Joe had reversed their positions and swung six more times in rapid succession, each blow doing more damage. She didn't stop when she saw blood, or when it splashed onto her face, or when his eyeball began to come loose from its socket, it was when he stopped moving and twitching below her that her swings slowed before ultimately coming to a stop. The only sound in the room was her breathing, and then the clanking of metal on the tile floor when Joe dropped the crowbar. What the fuck, she whispered, hoarsely. What the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? She scurried off of his body, backing herself into the corner of the room. What the fuck? She looked down at her bloodied hands and her breathing sped up again, tears spilling down her cheeks in her panic and confusion. When she blinked, her tears sprinkled her chest and she realized her shirt was still pulled below her. Bra. Sniffing, she yanked it up, almost vomiting when she braved another glance over at the body. Her chest heaved as she sunk down to the floor, now unable to take her eyes off of the carnage splattered all over their kitchen, but her attention flew to the door when she heard it creak open. Jolene. Chapter 49. Pam quickly scanned the room, taking in her surroundings, the blood spatter on the cupboards, the body, and then Jolene, huddled in the corner, her eyes wide with fear. Jolene, Pam said, her tone even, but soft. It appears you made quite the mess. The girl scurried upwards to a standing position, and with tears streaming down her face said, Mom, it's not what it looks like. Hmm, Pam squinted, giving the room another look over, slower this time. Noticing the bloodied crowbar and Jason's sunken in skull, his absence of distinct facial features, everything above his chin was now, essentially, an indistinguishable pile of human, mush. It looks like you bashed your boyfriend's head in with a crowbar. Mom, I didn't mean it, Joe sobbed. He. Attacked you. Pam acknowledged. Yes, I know. I saw. That's, why I'm here, but it appears you did my work for me. But I didn't mean it. Joe repeated, desperately, running forward and grabbing Pam by the lapels of her overcoat. Mom, it was just like the dreams, tears were still falling in a steady stream down her cheeks. 
He was on top of me and I could feel him pressing into my stomach and I couldn't move my arms and in the dreams I can never move. She buried her face in the soft fabric of Pam's sweater. I knew what he was gonna do, mom, her voice was muffled now, and Pam could already feel the salty liquid beginning to soak through onto her chest. I've seen it happen a million times. I know, sweetheart, Pam soothed, rubbing calming circles on Joe's back as she held her. And I couldn't stop, Joe sniffed, her breathing becoming gradually more shallow until she was essentially hyperventilating. My, heart, was, in, my, ears, and, I, was, so, scared, she heaved. I know, Pam reiterated, kindly, not letting her go. I know exactly what that feels like. Everything, was, fine, and, then, he, pushed, me, against, the, sink. Joe, honey, how about you take a few deep breaths first? Pam suggested, planting a gentle kiss to her forehead. He's not here anymore, she murmured against her skin. It's just you and me. Joe took her mother's advice, even though it was clearly very difficult for her. Her rapid breaths were replaced by full-body tremors and then shivers before she finally attempted to speak again. He didn't, he didn't mean it. He wouldn't h, hurt me like that. Well that's a nice thought, darling, Pam granted. But I find it's difficult to trust a man who chooses to be with a 15-year-old girl. It wasn't like that, Joe sniffed. He wasn't like that. That wasn't him. He wasn't him. Pam wasn't quite following, and Joe was likely in denial, but it felt so good to hold her again that Pam would have said almost anything to keep her in her arms. Was he under the influence of an illicit substance? No. Joe rebuked separating slightly to look her in the eye. No, he wouldn't. His mom overdosed right in front of him, he would never. And now she was contradicting herself. Pam sighed, using her sleeve to wipe the blood off of Joe's cheek. I think you should go home. But, I am home, Joe wiped the tears away from her eyes. Not anymore, sweet pea, Pam whispered, this time kissing her on the top of the head. Go home and explain to your mother what happened. I'm going to stay here and clean up. You mean, like, Olivia Pope style? Joe asked, her voice hoarse from crying. I have no idea who that is, Pam told her. Are you okay to drive? Joe nodded silently, wiping her nose. I really didn't mean to kill him. I believe you, Pam assured her, giving her daughter a reassuring squeeze on the wrist. Now put that hoodie on and keep your head down, please. Joe did as she was told, taking one more look around the apartment and then down at the body before grabbing the aforementioned hoodie from the couch and pulling it on over her tank top. I blame myself, partially, Pam sighed kneeling down next to Jason's body after Joe had left. Or, I suppose it's the first Jason who should shoulder the majority of it, seeing as it's he who provided her the anxiety in the first place. She studied the man below her, contemplating how best to handle his disposal. In the old days she would have just fed him to her pitcher plants, but the Justice League had taken those away on her first day out of Arkham 36 years ago and never given them back. Pity. She supposed she'd have to disintegrate, or melt him down, like Selina did with Joker's body all those years ago, meaning she'd have to transport him back to her lab. Well, fine, Ivy sighed again, 
realizing that, anyway she sliced it, she had a long night ahead of her. Hmm, dismembering him would make for easier transport, but goodness, that sounds exhausting. Oh, she snapped her fingers, smiling. Why chop when you can pull? She searched through the pockets of Jason's jeans. Men typically carry knives, right? Her prize she found in his back pocket. The knife was small, but it seemed sharp enough to do the job. A vine slithered down her thigh and Ivy watched as it exited through the skin of her ankle. Doing a quick measurement in her head, she stopped it once she felt it was at the appropriate length and bit down on the sleeve of her coat as she sawed through it. Ivy repeated that process three more times before directing each length of vine into a separate corner of the room to search for something to anchor themselves on. She then instructed the free ends to choose the limb that corresponded to their position and secure themselves around a wrist or ankle. Oh, shoot, Ivy supposed she should have stripped him naked first, that way she wouldn't have to rip through skin, muscle, ligaments, tendons, and fabric. Sincerest apologies, my darlings, she exhaled. Just give me one moment. They immediately obeyed, uncoiling themselves from his limbs and lying in wait as she yanked Jason's jeans off, then his boxer shorts and jacket before electing to cut his long-sleeved t-shirt off rather than try to pull it over the crime scene that was his misshapen skull. When he was finally naked, Ivy cocked her head curiously at the dark welt sprinkled over his forearms, biceps, pectoralis muscles, and then these raised portions on his gluteus medius and abdominal muscles, they looked a bit like, nicotine patches? Ivy dug her fingernail under the edge of one and gently peeled it back, finding that it left an identical welt to the others that littered his body. Huh. She got up quickly, walking to the kitchen in search of a plastic baggie. Once she found one, she closed the patch inside and slipped the bag into the pocket of her jacket. Go ahead, she told her vines, and they eagerly resumed their positions. Pooh, no wait. Ivy took her own jacket off and laid it neatly over the back of a chair before pulling her sweater off as well, mumbling, I really should have brought some equipment. After a subtle groan, she bunched up the sweater and put it in her mouth, picking up the knife again and slicing down her wrists, then kneeling on the floor once more and placing her open wound on Jason's shoulder and then hip joints. His skin smoked as the poison began eating its way through. Ivy exhaled, dropping the sweater from her mouth and wrapping it around her wrist, ruining perfectly good, and exorbitantly expensive, cashmere. The things we do for our children. Pull. Where's Jolene? Bruce asked, watching Karen as she set up her presentation. Carrie? Damien turned the question over to her. Target practice, she told them. Same as every night. God, what the fuck is her problem? Damien asked, getting up. It's clear we all hate her, but she didn't used to be this mopey on top of it. I don't hate her, Carrie dissented. As did Bruce, I don't hate her. She's still trying to process her breakup, Harleen revealed. I'd suggest a little sensitivity. That was like a month ago, she needs to get over it. Damien started at a jog towards the training room where he watched her for a moment through the window before shutting down the simulator and stepping inside. Joe's immediate reaction was to spin around and whip a batarang at him. Damien ducked, and it sailed past him, sticking in the wall behind him at eye level. You could have killed me just then, he gritted, trying to get his heart rate under control.
Al Ghul's always managed to dodge these things, Joe said, tossing her utility belt aside. Just keeping you on your toes. I'm not an Al Ghul, Damien snapped. I'm Wayne. I'm not an Isley, I'm a Quinzel. Joe mocked. It's all the same difference. Now why the fuck did you end my simulation? Because you've been down here for two hours and you're the one who encouraged Bumblebee to take on this project in the first place, Damien reminded her. Now quit being a moody bitch because your boyfriend broke up with you and got changed. I'm being a moody bitch because it's my time of the month, and he did not break up with me, Joe set the record straight. Damien rolled his eyes. I could really give a shit less about the specifics, Joe. Congratulations, you broke up with him. Now get upstairs. Joe took a sip from her water bottle. What do you know about slappers? Cheap steroid, he told her, not totally sure why she felt the need to start this conversation right now. But the market is oddly far-reaching. They seem to be selling them on the club circuit too. Why do you ask? Well, what if I told you they weren't cheap? Joe asked. And that, according to my mom, Jason's violent behavior the night he attempted to rape me and I killed him was likely due to an overdose of a very special ingredient that's baked into those things. Wait, you did what? You heard me, Joe intoned, somewhat casually. He was wearing five slaps when it happened. Now come on, you gonna guess the secret flavor or what? I'll give you a hint, it took my mom back to the good old days. Excuse me for needing a little time to process. He trailed off as she leaned into his ear. Venom, she whispered. Bane's venom. He pushed her away when her lips brushed against his ear. Don't poison Ivy me. Just say, venom, like a normal person. Oh, you liked it, Joe snorted, pushing past him and heading for the door. T, the Ven, wait. What are we going to do about it? About the fact that I breathed on you and you blushed like a cherry tomato? Shit, I don't know, man, Joe shrugged, turning around. You might need to get laid. Shut up, Damien snapped. You know that's not what I meant. And I know you think you're hot shit but, you're really not all that hot. Pfft, sure, buddy, Joe chuckled. You know there are women you can pay for that kind of thing, right? Joe asked. Lord knows you've got more money than God. That's not, shut up, he repeated. What are we going to do about the venom? The effects can be... Adverse? Joe laughed. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Jason was a dealer, it turns out. Took me a bit, but I tracked down his boss. Paris Franz, are you familiar? Unfortunately. He's not smart enough to manufacture the stuff himself, Joe told him. So how about I talk to him and you start looking for the source? Are you just assuming the source is Bane? Joe shrugged. You're free to prove me wrong. Let me just start out by saying that, Mr. Wayne, you have been an inspiration to me since I began in this field, Karen told him. And everything I've done with this project comes from a place of respect. With that being said, perhaps it's time to go beyond Batman. Your designs and technology were, of course, advanced for their time, but we're entering into a new era of innovation, technological especially, 
and being that everyone in here is a superhero without powers, I'm sure I don't need to stress the importance of evolving along with it. But Batman has never been about just the suits or the gadgets, Damien argued. It's about the skill of the wearer. I'm sure she's aware of that fact, Damien, Bruce assured. She's worked with Tim before, after all. She understands our goals here. Yes, I, thank you, Bruce, Karen nodded. And Damien, I absolutely understand your concern, Joe voiced a similar opinion. Honor the past, embrace the future. That was my goal here. So, Joe? Harley watched her daughter step out in front of them wearing the updated suit, her cowl remaining off for the moment, but the material framed her face, so none of her hair was visible. That's, awesome. Holy crap! Carrie exclaimed. That's awesome. Karen smiled. As you can see, we've streamlined the design, the material is lighter and the majority of its functioning is internal. It's intuitive, see? Like, this material is extremely breathable, but then when there's an attack incoming, Karen stabbed downward at Joe's chest with her pen, but just before the tip made contact, thin metal panels slid out to cover the area, and so the pen glanced off, falling out of Karen's hand and down to the floor. It's self-armoring. But if you don't trust it to know when or where to react, manual mode will automatically employ the defensive layer. Joe, she prompted. Joe raised her forearm and a panel slid back revealing a small display. When she clicked on the screen, the suit reacted just as Karen said it would, the panel sliding out of every surface, besides the green portions. You kept the solar panels? Harley asked. Yes, Karen nodded. And I want to apologize for copying off of your homework, Mr. Wayne, but I couldn't exactly improve on them. I did slightly increase their surface area so that the suit wouldn't need to charge for as long during the day, but otherwise, can't fix what ain't broke. Bruce chuckled. I appreciate that. So where's the utility belt? Cass asked. Because I only really see a buckle. Ah, uh, yes, that too is mostly internalized. Karen told her. Anthony programmed the suit to recognize what you're reaching for and provide it for you. How? Damien asked. Well, we had it memorize what you kept in each compartment of your typical belt. Jolene, you need your grappling gun. Joe reached behind her back, and when she brought her arm back to the front, the gun was in her hand. Now a batarang, Karen instructed. With her free hand, Joe reached to her right side and, like a disc player would spit out a DVD, a batarang was ejected from her suit. Good but you don't need to use it. Joe pushed the weapon back into the same hole, and it disappeared as quickly as it had come, the panel sliding back into place. Then where the hell did the gun come from? Harley demanded, her mind sufficiently blown. Joe turned around to show her the empty compartment before placing the gun back in. Like with the battering, the suit reacted immediately, closing the tool inside, but this one didn't retract back into the suit. It looked like one of the utility belt compartments, just sleeker and without the belt. So then what's the buckle for? Damien asked. Why have a buckle when you don't have a belt? Well, Karen smiled, it's not so much a buckle as a button. She prompted Joe with a nod. Smirking, Joe pressed the button and a pair of wings, with an obvious bat-inspired design, 
unfolded from her back. No capes, Joe said proudly, putting her hands on her hips. So we can fly now? Damien was incredulous. 